Warning, this podcast contains adult language, mature situations, catatonic rape victims, giant swords, conspiracies, crazy cult leaders, rock music, and gay war fights. Listener discretion is advised. Episode 110. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Spark and Mong Review. I'm your host, Zan. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good, I'm hoping. And, as you can guess, we have a new co-host. Yes, I'm revealing another one of the 15. This is Timbo. Hey. How's it going out there? Yes. And say hello to the interwebs of all the insane people out there who listen to us. Hola. Hello, peoples. Yes. We are here. We are new. I've been hinting at Timbo for the last, I don't know, 100 and something episodes? Perhaps. Perhaps. We don't know. It's been that because also, well, we should get into what Spyrokin is. Spyrokin is a site that provides information and reviews about mangas. What happens is every episode we'll review one to two. I know it's kind of self-explanatory, but hey, it works. What we'll do is we'll tell you about the manga, how the art is, what the character design is, what the different things about the series are, if it's good or not, and we'll tell you if it's even worth reading or not. That way we don't go to the bookstore and say, hey, this manga looks cool because it has a shiny cover, or the jacket copy sounds really awesome, and then you open it and it's utter shit. True. Really shit. And mangas are expensive. Yes, they are. And we know we're in a recession, so... Yes, and as opposed to having you scan late it, which is a fine option if it's not out here, but we want you to buy it so that the medium will still come out. Correct. Because we'll get good shit here. As opposed (laughs) to getting more... Moe! Yeah. Yes, Moe. The worst of the genres, but you heard that in our Moe episode two episodes ago. So, either way, you can check us out at www.spyrokin.com. You can email us at spyrokin at gmail.com, zan at spyrokin.com, and timbo.spyrokin at gmail.com. Correct. Yes, you have your own little email. We have set it up. Woo! I eventually have to pay for GoDaddy to actually get more actual Spyrokin emails. Ouch. Yeah, ten bucks for (laughs) for twenty. But ten bucks is ten bucks. I mean, seriously. Yeah. I mean, I'm paying nineteen ninety nine for the year. It's not bad. Not bad, but still. Keeping the economy going. Very true. For all the, you guys who listen to us in class, when you're not supposed to. <laughs> yes. Definitely no Moe in this episode. Oh, yes. Definitely not. And since this is our 110th episode, I know we do weird things, especially with episode 75, episode 100. We should do 150, but we'll say, hey, we'll do 110. Especially since, if you remember from the last episode, I spun the one, the only. I'll tell you about it later. But I spun it, and it dictated that I'd be reviewing a very dark series today. We're going to get to that in a moment, but 
I have a little surprise for you guys. We're going to do actually two parts. I'm doing another manga also with one of our favorite co-hosts who shows up from his show, which I'm a sidekick of, the fightbait.com. Yes, John Paul is going to be on in a little bit. We're going to kind of splice him in, so you're going to hear some re- weird audio. Don't worry about it. So we'll get into that in a bit. So, either way, before we get into that, so how you doing, Timbo? I'm doing good. Uh, just finished reading the manga that we were talking about tonight, a couple weeks ago, and been, been caught up and yeah, excited well, to talk about it. Cool, cool, cool. I mean, that's... Yeah, this series is kind of one of those you have to really just get into and read. And besides the manga, just life's been just kind of crazy, especially with Fallout. True. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Fallout New Vegas. I've been playing it like an insane person. Yes. And it's just pretty. I, I don't and know. Shooting people's heads off is just as satisfying as in the first one. Yeah, it's just it's the VAT system. You know, it's yeah. that's what makes this game just the VAT system. <laughs> I just want to hope that perk, that one which just makes obscene amount of violence happen in this game, you know? Yeah. I did like when you threw the dynamite and it landed in the ant's butt, though. That was pretty funny. Oh, yes. there's a, <laughs> Instead of grenades, you have actual dynamite in this game. So I was having a lot of fun just chucking it and blowing shit up. It's just it's really cool and really fun. I'm really digging it. It feels like an old Looney Tunes cartoon. It's pretty good. Yeah, no, it, it's Fallout. It's a great game. And even though it came out during the same time as Goldeneye, which I'm going to buy eventually... I had to go with Fallout, you know? It's just, it's Fallout. It's a safer bet. It is, it is, because you know you're going to get at least 90 hours yeah. in this, just from exploring. I even from yeah. playing the main campaign, which you can do in 10 hours. Yeah, maybe. and you can probably play it a different way each time you play it, so there's definitely replayability to it, so... Yeah, so unlike mm-hmm. GoldenEye, where you have to play it with other people. Yeah, and I'm sure there's going to be downloadable content for it, so who well. knows how many months of gameplay you're going to get out of this. Oh, yes. I want to get that satellite tracker, though, because once I saw that in the trailer, I just like, oh my god, it's, it's Soul from Akira! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dropping lasers from uh, from outer space is pretty fun. I think it's cool, because I can just see someone just walking around and just say, hey, how come all the bu- the pebbles are flying in the air? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Done. Finished. Obliterated. Yes. Oh, speaking of Akira, this is some of the news we're going to have in the later on, but they have some news for anime, and we usually don't do that because it's a manga show, but two big news for anime fans. First off, they officially have picked the star for, well, Leonardo DiCaprio's interpretation of Akira. Which is a question mark at best. Because Leonardo DiCaprio, even though he's gotten better, yeah. he still has a lot to answer for. I mean, besides Basketball Diaries... Mm. Yeah. I, I, I'm glad that he's. I mean, I'm glad he's the one that's kind of been trying to get this movie off the ground. So that that kind of makes up for some of his past mistakes. But uh, yeah, the the person that they picked for Kaneda is just odd. Yes, they, <laughs> they picked Zac Efron. Now, if you don't know who he is, just watch the Disney Channel. He's a pretty boy who just. I don't think he can act. His, his claim to fame currently was that movie where he was the guy who killed his little brother. Uh, Oh, yeah, Charlie St. Cloud or something along those lines. Yeah, it looks stupid. He has to find this girl or something, Yeah, and, or his, she's, and she's, his brother's a ghost, and he's trying to help him. I don't know. We don't know, but it's it's <laughs> just, I don't think it's going to be good if he's in. I mean, it's better than Leo being. Yeah, Leo's getting a little up in age. You do need a, you need, do need a younger actor for the characters, mm-hmm. or actors for the characters. I'm just, I just hope the movie happens I can't see it being bad. I don't think that Leonardo DiCaprio would let that happen. 
But, but you know... It's an anime remake, and every single one as current, with the exception of Battle Royale and 20th Century Boys, has been really bad. Yeah. I mean, just look at Dragon Ball Evolution. True. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't pay to see that one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I agree. Uh, so what else? Um, They're also doing still no word on Keanu Reeves' version of... Cowboy Bebop. Nothing new. The only thing is it's going to be officially just a remake of the first story. So there's going to be no Ed, no Faye, no Ayn. It's just So no characters whatsoever. Except for Spike and Jet and the Red Eye guy. Mm. Oh, the guy that has with the drugs? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, he's a little... That would be kind of cool, actually. It'd, see him go red-eyed. It'd be a good start for the series. Mm-hmm. And Keanu Reeves is like, I can actually see it. Yeah. If the first movie does well and they and they they actually make sequels and start introducing more people, that would be cool. But that's another one of those movies that yeah, it's it's very iffy. But I still say if they do get a sequel and they do have Faye, I still say Scarlett Johansson as Faye. Yeah, that would be pretty interesting to see. Someone said, "Oh, it's Charlize Theron. Keep her out, keep her out of movies, no. please. <laughs> she doesn't have the build. Keep her out of friggin' movies." Yeah. Alright, and so the other news is that Bubblegum Crisis, the movie, is officially being made. So, that means it'll be made within the next 20 years. Okay. (laughs) Nothing else with that. Just, really, that's it. Um, Non-anime movie news, um, officially they're screwing people with the Avengers movie. I haven't heard about this. Yes, they're actually saying, oh, we're going to cut costs on the Avengers movie. And I was like, are you Hmm. serious? He's like, because it's going to be in New York... Where we live, yeah. it's going to be very expensive. So they're going to cut costs. I'm like, are you serious? This is the Avengers movie. Yeah. This is kind of Marvel's cash cow right now, and I don't really understand why why you'd half-ass something like that. Because every book that they're doing right now is tie-in, basically, to the movies that are coming up. Their, their flagship characters right now are, are Thor, Iron Man, and Captain America. And Spider-Man. Yeah. Avengers, like... Put your best work into that. We don't want to see Wolverine Origins again. We don't want to see that kind of even mess. though that even that could have been a could have been a good movie. Yeah, but it was just you could tell that they didn't put the best effort they could have into that movie. Hopefully, the second one is better. Hopefully, because different director, from what I hear, different director and all the ca- original cast who all were cast very well. Yes. I'll give them that. Yes, the act. None of the, none of the, I, I I think all the actors in that movie were were cast well and they they did their jobs as best as they could with what was given to them which was kind of a poor script and moved very fast and some poor special effects and well yeah it's but the first half of the movie was good I'll... yeah yes the it was when when the action started getting too heavy that's when the kind of like everything just kind of fell out but the beginning parts of the movie were really good when they're introducing um, Weapon X and the whole, you know, special ops team and everything. That was very good. You knew you knew where they were going with uh, with Wolverine's character. Wolf, Wolverine's character. Leave Schreiber was perfect for Sabretooth, I thought. Yeah. So it just it, it just the series just ended. Just I don't know. Mm-hmm. That, that, so so far, let's see now. Thor looks good. Captain America looks good. Avengers is probably gonna bomb. Yeah. Spider-Man, now they're saying, okay, we're not going to do Mary Jane. Alright, so they're following the comic continuity, which is kind of bad, but so understandable. The, so, l- let me get this straight. Is it is it a reboot? Yes. Revamp what? It's a reboot, and okay. Charlie Sheen, uh, sorry, Martin Sheen is going to be Uncle Ben, yeah. and... Which, that makes 
I can see that. And uh, Sally Fields is going to be Aunt May. So they're going with the more hippie, younger... Okay. Well, I can see that, too. They're going with uh, better actors, I think, than what they had previously. Even Um, though I liked the old Uncle Ben. I liked him. He was very eh. grandfathery. Martin Sheen's more of an angry man. Eh. I don't know. We'll see. But apparently uh, the chick from uh, Superbad is going to be Gwen Stacy, from what I hear. Yep. And apparently... She's not actually a redhead. She's actually a blonde. So they're yeah. they're not completely wrong by casting her for that. However, I think most people expected her to be Mary Jane. What can you do? <laughs> exactly. And the other love interest I'm thinking is going to be Deborah Whitman, which is a nice choice. It's not Betty Brant. It's not Liz Allen. It's someone who is from his college age, and you throw her in, mm-hmm. and you could do a lot with her. Yeah. So all all that's left is we we know who the villain is, but we don't know what he's or the. The person playing the villain, I guess. But oh, we know what the villain is. They've, oh. they've mentioned it. Oh, they've, they've finally revealed this? It's Connors. Ah, uh, okay. So it might be good, might be bad. We yeah. don't know. Um, and speaking on the other spectrum, because Marvel, well, we won't get any more of Marvel, even though they did show the Captain America suit, all three suits finally. And they look pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I like the USO. It's just a leather jacket with the hat. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. And then the first armor... Not some. It's kind of more colory, but then the current armor, the modern armor, I like. Yeah. Even though you haven't seen him with the mask on, but mm-hmm. hopefully we'll see the mask, and it'll mm-hmm. be freaking badass. <laughs> but we will see. Um, but besides that, let's get into DC now. DC movies officially: Superman, Zod will not be the villain. Hmm. Which is understandable, but lame. Is it all right? So let me let me backtrack. Is the Superman movie a reboot, or is it going to be another sequel? It is its own continuity thing. They're not. They're doing like with Incredible Hulk, where they're going to show the entire history in two minutes in the credits. Okay, so they're not really removing what happened previously, but they're not really going to. It's not Donner. It. It's not Donner's universe. It's just okay. Superman already exists. Okay, all so right. Should be good. Yeah. Uh, but no Zod. Someone else. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, it'll be good. Hopefully, I don't know. I hopefully. Hopefully they go a little more into some of other Superman's villains more than just Lex Luthor, because they kind of mm-hmm. did that already. I would four movies of it. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> we we could say that the guy in three is not Lex Luthor, but he's just the poor man's Lex Luthor. Yeah, whatever. But, uh, but they threw in possibly Metallo or some other villain that's from Superman continuity that would. I would have liked Bizarro, but Bizarro, they, you know, he's... I think Bizarro would have to be, like, small down down the line a bit. I don't yeah. think he could do that right away. That like, would be kind of def- difficult. Yeah. Mm, what a, Parasite couldn't hold a movie because he's just not smart enough. Yeah, that's kind of like a Sandman issue. Like, he, he's a cool villain, and he would be really cool special effects-wise, but there's just no plot there, so... Yeah, there's absolutely nothing there for him to do. He could oh. be a minor villain in the movie, maybe as, like, an introductory villain... Or something along those lines, but... And Darkseid is just too big to do. Like, they're doing him in Smallville right now, and I like how they're doing it where you don't... You saw him, like, maybe once, but mm. for the most part, he's just more of a being. Yeah. Even though Grand Goodness looks... Well, she looks like Mimi. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched this season of Smallville or last season of Smallville, so I'm... Sorry. I, I, just, gave you, I just gave you spoilers. That's I'm sorry. Right. That's okay. Um, I feel bad now. But nah, it's fine. Anyway, um, um, so... Anyway, so the other thing, the other big one, Wonder Woman is going to be a TV show, and they're thinking about some Brazilian girl to be Wonder Woman. Uh, it's a smart move, I think, instead of doing the movie. Yeah, I, th- I think 
I think they had success with the television series in the 70s, and it seems like a lot of television series get, get recycled every so often, so... As long It'll as it's not like the Bionic Woman, we'll be good. Yeah, that, that was kind of a bad show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this this should be okay, though. And if they get it right, it could be done really well. Just not yeah. the current Wonder Woman. I don't like the I'm wearing a leather jacket and I got rid of everything. Yeah, I. who knows what they're going to do. I mean, they do have to update it somewhat. I mean, you can't have, uh, you know, 70s Wonder Woman all, all over again, so... Yeah. But okay. we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. So there's two more big DC things because the big one, which is my personal favorite, is going to be Green Lantern. Trailer comes out next week. Can't wait. Yes, that's very exciting. Um, the suit looks pretty badass mm-hmm. from what I've seen, and the concept art looks really cool yeah. for Oa. I'm just hoping that Green Lantern doesn't kill the Deadpool movie. No, they're saying he's saying he's doing it. He okay. he will pay for it. He yeah. he's going to do the he, Deadpool movie. He's going to pay for it if he has to. <laughs> He wants to do Deadpool, and he wants the the writers from the comic to do it. And he says the humor is exactly like this whole... Mm-hmm. Doorknobs! All right, that's good. That's good. We don't... All right, so no more jinxing of that. And then finally, we're going to get with the last of the comic book movies. Even though, yes, I know, someone's like, oh, this is movie talk. No, it's comic talk. And comics are mangas! Yes. So it's under the topic. And that is The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, the title is kind of... I don't know. Lame? Yeah, kinda. I mean, it, just, it works, but it's lame. It it, it it does work, and I understand probably where they're trying to go with that, um, because at the end of the first movie, he's kind of the bad guy, you know, in terms of Gotham City's opinion of him, so the third movie's him kind of coming back to being the, the savior, or whatever you want to call him, but... They could have picked a better title. kind of a little too religious-sounding to me. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's giving me vibes of Attack of the Clones, just a little bit. Yeah, it's just too, I don't know, obvious. Yeah. They could have come up with some other title. I kind of like the fact that the first movie and the second movie had two completely different titles. They just they weren't related to it. It was Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, give me something different now. Yeah, but, I mean, what else is there besides Batman, Dark Knight? He only had, like, one other moniker, which, which was... Joker calling him Fat Man. <laughs> I mean, what else was there? I mean, um, I don't know. I mean, the detective. The detective that could be that 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 could be a cool. Uh, but then you'd probably have to go back to having Rachel Ghoul again, and I don't think they're going to do that. So mm, that would be tra- kind of difficult because um, that's he's usually the guy that calls him that. Unless, um, like um, my theory, which the girl who they haven't revealed who she is, but if she is Talia. Yes, that's. Quite Which a possibility. Um, the other possibility is Catwoman. Um, yeah, but... Uh, hmm. I'm trying to think of what else you could name The Dark Knight Rises besides The Dark Knight Rises. You could just say Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Or Bruce could. Wayne is the Batman. Yeah, that's another possibility. I don't know, it's just... I guess you're kind of limited with those titles. It, I guess it's better than, you know, Batman Forever and Batman Returns and... Well, Batman and Robin was self-explanatory. Yeah. It was just Batman and Robin. So. Well, if if the if the movies decided to introduce Robin, which we know they're not, but that would have been cool to call it the dynamic duo yeah. or something along those lines. Or, um, but but yeah. we don't really know where the plot's going right now. So yeah, we don't know. He's, he's <laughs> it's very tight-lipped. Like we only know that maybe um, the guy from Inception, uh, 
Blarg, whatever his name is. The guy who is the count, uh, counterfeiter guy. Yes. Yes. He is going to be either... They're saying he's not going to be Riddler, so Correct. he's out. But they're hinting that he might be Bullock. Hmm. A lot of people don't like it, but I think he could do it because he has that gruff, you know, yeah. old school detective. Mm-hmm. Who's going to be the real villain? That's the question. Uh, they, you got Hugo Strange, you got... Because I had this conversation with Cal in the supplemental, mm-hmm. and pretty much we're talking, and, you know, you got Hugo Strange. You have Firefly, and you have maybe you could do a variation of Killer Croc or Spellbinder. Mm-hmm. That's really all you could really do at this point, unless you have Poison Ivy as a yeah. botanist. Yeah. The uh, eco-terrorist or something along those lines. Yeah, the rest of the villains are just a little too... Unless you do Clayface old school style, where the first Clayface, where he was just a master of disguise, like Chameleon. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, it just, it's kind of, it kind of... was kind of excited about possibly having the Riddler. Um, Could have been interesting where to see where that went, but... It could have, but he just um, kind of went... Supposedly the Riddler's too in the fantasy realm that Nolan doesn't want to go into, but... Oh well. There's only one other villain who could possibly he could be going towards, even though he's fantasiful. Mm-hmm. And yes, we're using the Dink Dinks. <laughs> and that is Roman Sionis. I don't even know Black Mask. Oh, uh, Black Mask... Black Mask is a cool character. He's a pretty prominent uh, gangster in the Batman comics. It's a heavy hitter, and and he's pretty sadistic, and probably would fit well with the the darkness of the movies. But because he has a black mask attached to his face, however way it was, um. Yeah, it's not going to really work. Yeah. Unless you... Unless there's, like, some sort of accident that causes it, or... um... I would say that accident would be a good option, but that's what they're... I think they're doing with the Red Skull, though, and Captain America. People say, oh, he's ripping off of the Red Skull. Yeah. I I would say make it a tattoo. That could be a possibility. Just have a guy with a like a big head tattoo. That would be kind of cool. No, he's shaved head and he has yeah. a skull tattoo yeah. on his face. Yeah. That would work, and it'd just be like, oh, it was you know something that he did as a as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like make that as part of the. He's like, oh, as a frat boy, he made a stupid mistake in his father, yeah. and make it that he has to wear uh, makeup. Yeah. And so when he's in public face, he has you know just the mm-hmm. uh, you know you see him as with the makeup on, where it's just light, where you don't yeah. notice, and then when he's in mob mode, he's the yep. makeup's off. Yep. Um, they they do focus quite a bit on like the mob in in the Batman movies and how they affect the city and and you know how part of the reason why Batman's you know needed. So to go that route with with a big mob boss that's like an actual heavy character in the comics as opposed to just like a Falcone or one of those guys, it would be interesting and and. One of the one of the, in the comics recently there was a big like mob war between I believe the Falcons and Black Mask. Yep. yep. So it would kind of tie in with what's going on in the comics from from the past couple years. Who knows? Or you could, if you really want to be desperate, you could do everyone's favorite mob boss from the animated series, Rupert Thorne. Yeah. But he was technically replaced in Dark Knight. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think whoever the, Falcone, yeah, they, Falcone kind of took over both roles 
because there was always the mob war in the, in the animated series between the two families, and there hasn't really been a mob war in the movies. It's just the mob kind of just controls stuff. So it'd be interesting if they had. Some they're sort an of, uneasy alliance. Yeah, that actually, yeah, because that would be cool if it's everything. And if you want to mm-hmm. really go further, go with um, Long Halloween aspect, where the fact is that if you introduce Selena Kyle, make it the fact that she is a relative mm-hmm. of the. But in the long run, you know what? This is a topic for another podcast because we'll be here for nine hours. But thank goodness that Mr. C is no longer talking or listening to this podcast because he would be defending how it had to be a specific character because of this or that. Okay. <laughs> you know who I'm speaking about. Mr. C. Mr. C. No, but that's okay. The Batman nut. Who still lives at home at 40 with no job. Oh. Him. Okay. <laughs> the okay. ghost. Yes. Yes, him. The one we will not speak of. So, either <laughs> way. So we should get into this. Because, yes, I said that we're going to actually be reviewing two things. So, first off, with John Paul, fight bait, we're going to be re- reviewing, well, 20th Century Boys by Naoki Urasawa. And I'm going to put that in right, and we're going to put that in right about here. Due to an insanely long tangent, I had to edit out most of the report with me and Fightpate because, well, we went on a lot of tangents to a lot of different places, and there's a lot of which was quality material, which I unfortunately had to take out for time constraints. So, right now, here is, we're starting off, after we've introduced ourselves, we were talking about news for a little bit, and now John Paul wants to talk a little bit about a movie, which is pretty cool, before we get into his review of, well, 20th Century Boys. So, here he is. I I have not seen any of them. Oh, crap, I had something else I was going to bring up. It was right on the tip of my tongue, and now I forgot it. But I know that it had nothing... Oh, I know what it is. It has nothing to do with anime or manga, but if you're willing to talk about it, I'm willing to, to spurt it out. Sure. I saw sure. Requiem for a Dream for the first time the other day. You saw what? Requiem for a Dream. What'd you say? Requiem for a Dream. It's a movie by Darren Aronofsky. Oh, okay. I thought you said something else because you crackled for a second. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, what the? It's Hold a on one fucking second. weird one second. movie. One second. I'm going to check the mic. Okay, does this sound better? You sound the same. Uh, okay. That, which well, you didn't sound bad, so. All right, yes. Um, but, yeah, it's a pretty trippy movie, and, and one of uh, uh, the... Marlon Wayne's better films. Marlon Wayne, who did he play in the movie? Black guy, drug addict, the one who was in a coma at the end of the movie. Oh, you know, I th- thought that was him. Yeah, no, <laughs> he, he, when when he does serious roles, he's really good. I kept thinking, like, is that one of the Wayne's brothers? Yeah, yeah, it is. It we're is, brothers, it is, and we're happy, and we're singing, and we're colored. Yep. Oh, man. Yeah, that movie, I don't know. I've always, I think the fact that I've always heard people say that it's much better, I was expecting a lot more. So I was disappointed by it, but it was not a bad film. It just was not the film I was expecting to see. I was expecting something like American Beauty, which I consider to just be like a phenomenal, like, oh, I don't want to say like too much. It's, It's an amazing film, and it makes you think. Whereas Requiem for a Dream was just a movie about a bunch of people that got really shitty lives. Yeah, no, it was, um, no, the difference is it's one is a character, well, we could talk about this, unless you're recording now. I'm recording everything. 
You're right, editing cool. this. Fuck that. I'm not doing this. All right. All right. No problem. I'll just move this. I'll just move everything around. You so. can put it as a stinger on your movie podcast. I don't care. Actually, or we could actually do the Requiem for a Dream podcast because pretty much the whole thing with uh, Requiem was that it was a it was a blark character piece. Yes, it was a char- uh, character piece that was poorly done. I mean, it was a really cool film. It's really the film the filmography is awesome. Yes, they, the cinematography is great. It was based on a book, so it's possible that the book just wasn't very strong. I've never read it. But my biggest complaint with the movie was that they used the same fucking song over and over. And it was a good song, but they used it every time there was an intense scene. So I made the joke when I was watching the movie, by the way, I was laughing the whole time because I'm a terrible person, was that it's kind of like they made a miniseries where every 20 minutes they play the ending theme song and they just spliced it together because that's what it feels like is about every 10 15 minutes something really intense happens and they play the intense music and so you know it's intense and it wasn't a bad film i i would recommend it to people but i definitely would not recommend it as highly as it has been recommended to me because i I just i thought it was i thought it was a strong film but it wasn't anything special Outside of maybe it was was it that guy's first work? I know it was definitely earlier in the director's work. Yeah, no, it was it was a lot earlier. It was one of his, I think, his second film. Let me check. Yeah, well, I What's know that Imdba? Black Swan is coming out soon, which is directed by him, and I really want to see that. And so, after having seen Requiem for a Dream, I can tell that he's at least going to make the movie interesting looking. He might he might play the same songs over and over. I I don't know because I haven't seen anything else by him. But... Well, let's see now. He did Ed Pop, which was kind of cool. He did The Fountain, a movie which I have nothing but utter contempt for, and he did The Wrestler, which is an awesome movie. Yes, I I've not seen that, but I heard that. Oh fuck! What was that movie? It came out pretty recently. Well, yes, you've heard the wrestler was awesome, or you heard the, the fountain was a horrible movie. No, it's. I'm trying to think. It's a movie that people compared to the wrestler. It's called. Uh, it's a bad Bart. I think was the main character or something. He was some country singer that got really drunk and. I didn't Crazy Heart. That's what it was. I saw yeah. Crazy Heart, and a lot of people said that was like the wrestler. I think. I don't know. <laughs> there was a there was a a span of time where I didn't really keep up on movies. Yeah, no, we all have that period when there's no movies, you know. Now with the movie review podcast, you know, I have more time to look through movies. Like, eventually, we will get to Requiem for a Dream, and I'll talk about how James Franco actually looks kind of well, not like a drug addict in this movie. Was he the? Who's James Franco in the movie? There was only like three um, main was, characters. Uh, he was a minor part in it, but uh, Jennifer Connelly was Marion, and then there was the old lady Ellen Burst, who that was just horrible. So you're just yeah, that was hard. miserable. I liked how Keith David got a blowjob at the end. That was glorious. That's why we watched the movie because he's Keith David. Well, because we were watching me and the girl I was with, we were watching Gamer. Which was better than I expected it to be. Not the best movie I've ever seen, but definitely like 20 times better than I was expecting. 
And we got talking about Keith David. Maybe he had a line in Gamer. Maybe he did some, some voice acting in it. I don't remember why he popped in my head, but I said something about Keith David. And she said, oh, yeah, Keith David, he's in Requiem for a Dream. He gets a blowjob. And I said, we're watching that next. And so we watched that. And actually, the DVD, it starts off with this fake infomercial thing with really bad reception. And I, since I don't know anything about Requiem for a Dream, I didn't know that the infomercial is a very common theme in the show or in the movie. So I thought that it was an actual infomercial on TV. And I'm thinking, wow. This is a crazy product. I almost want to buy this because it's so ridiculous. I'll talk about it on the podcast. It was some inspirational thing. Well, you've seen the movie. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but would you buy it? (laughs) I would definitely research it. I don't know if I'd pay money for it. But I was just, whoa, (laughs) this is crazy. (laughs) And they're talking about juicing it up, and this is fucked up. But I would I would buy it in a drunken haze. I know that I'd wake up and be like, how the fuck, what's this charge for this much? Yeah. Well, and I like how the refrigerator's moving, all a uh, welcome to the NHK midway through the movie, but it got to the part where where she calls Keith David's character. It's near the end of the movie, like the last 15, 20 minutes, and I'm starting to wonder, like, where's Keith David? When's he going to show up? She says, well, I don't even know if it's really him, but it's at the ending, and she calls him, and he says, hey, and then she hangs up, and I said, Keith David! And she was just so shocked that I knew it was him just from that, like, syllable. Because all he says, hey. But I know Keith David. His voice. His deep, manly voice. And then he, she calls him again. He says, hey. And she says, hi. And he's like, yeah. Well, he's Keith David. You know I ain't airing it out, bitch. <laughs> One thing I like about Patty's. They give real good head. Oh, man. That is a fucking movie. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. so, anime. Or no, manga. Suddenly, I want to just... No, I want to watch this. It's alright. I don't think I'd ever watch it again. But yes. it's worth um, seeing once. Just so you yeah, can this... hear that song 70 times. Yep. Definitely worth seeing once. And on the other hand, American Beauty is like... American, oh, really good character study. Yeah, that is infinitely rewatchable. I love that movie a lot. It's in the same vein as in uh, Almost Famous and Maybe Blow. See, I haven't seen that. I mean, it, uh, what's it called? American Beauty is kind of like Requiem for a Dream done better, I would say. Like, it's it's not the same story at all. But it's a very character-driven thing that also has an interesting plot that has a good ending. Sort of. I don't know. It's much more powerful, I think. It's not just totally depressing. It's about coming to... Coming of age. Coming all over a 15-year-old girl. And they use more than one song in American Beauty. And he also quits his job and buys a car just for the hell of it. Oh, man, and he gets really high and jerks off in the shower. There's just so many great things about American Beauty. That autistic kid who who fucking films everybody and smokes weed. Yep. And when we were watching Requiem for a Dream, I thought that the girl was talking about American Beauty because she said, yeah, Jared Leto, he's in American Psycho, but I I heard it wrong. And so I was like, American Beauty, that was a great movie, wasn't it? But no, wasn't she... he in American 
She, she might have been. I don't know. He might have been in everything. Let's see. Well, he's in Phone Booth. He was in Alexander. I need he to see Phone Club. Booth. Yeah, he played the pretty boy in Fight Club, I guess. Do, 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 do. Yep. He was in Switchback, which was a real, actually a good movie. Yeah, he was definitely not in American Beauty. Nope. He was in Girl Interrupted, though. An urban legend. Yep. And Lord of War. Yeah. Oh, Lord of War, starring Nicolas Cage. As a Russian arms dealer, yet he speaks like I'm Nicolas Cage from Raisin, Arizona. Word. Good good Russian. All right. Okay. So either way, let's get on with what we're here for. That Fade is, out. Well, all right. We talked about Bubblegum Crisis. Yes. We talked about... The crappy, I'm Zac Efron, I'm going to be Kaneda and Akira, and ruin that completely. Yep. So, is there anything else really besides that? Oh, yes, before I forget, before we get into the crux of this episode, 110, I got New Vegas. Oh, that's cool. Is it, it is the greatest, it is just as good as, well, Fallout 3, the only difference is that in Fallout 3, on the first level, you could kill the creatures. This one, you die immediately. Wait, in the first level in Fallout 3, you're a baby. No, once you get out of the vault, you, you, you know, you walk around, and you don't die. That It's not that easy to die at first. See, I, I actually got bored before I got out of the vault and stopped playing the game. This one has a much better tutorial. Literally, as you wake up, they just do one, two, three, and then you just, you're let out into the world, and you can do whatever the hell you want. I could get into that. See, Fallout 3 I put off for a really long time because, I don't know, I didn't want to buy it. I thought it'd be bad because I've heard so many diverging opinions. And then when I finally had a chance to play it for free, and it started me off as a fucking baby, and then I was ten years old getting teased at my birthday party... And then I had to take a fucking high school test. That's when I turned the game off. Yeah, no, the high school test is just the part where they set you up for the, uh... That's when they're setting you up for... That's how you create your character, because the, the test just says, okay, you're going to have these extra stats. And yeah. this one, it's literally just, okay, you, you it open up cinematics, then you wake up in, in the doc's office, he's like, okay, first off, it, yeah, I had to pull out a bunch of lead out of your face, is this what you look like? Then you design your character. Okay, next... Alright, um, I need you to hold this um, the this thing and it'll tell you how strong you are. And that's how you do the special. Then after that, he's like, okay, I gotta ask you a couple questions and then that's it. You are set to go. You have created, well, your character. And you release into the world and I stole half the shit in his office when he wasn't looking. Yeah. Fucking Fallout 3. Yeah, I mean, Hold it was on. a good game once you got out of the vault, but that initial tutorial is like three hours, and it, it's a little frustrating. Just a little bit. The loading screens I do have an issue with, but, you know, what am I, what am I going to do? I still have the cheap... I only have the 25-gig hard drive. I don't have the big one. I haven't invested in the new one yet. Oh. But, all right, so... Since this is episode 110, we decided to do something a little different. Usually I will say, okay, we're going to review this or that or this or that. And thought I'd treat you guys some two very cool mangas. Now, the first one has been made into three movies. It has a huge cult following, and a bunch of people want to dress up as the main antagonist of the film for some odd reason. 
And it was made by Mr. Urasawa himself. Yeah. Yep. It's and good it, fucking manga. Yeah, it's a very good freaking manga. And that is 20th, 20th Century, Century Boys. Boys. Yes, or Niju Seki Shonen. And this has won a crap load of awards. Like I said, it was written by Naoki Urasawa, originally produced by Shoka Kuken, and it's currently being released over here as Viz Media. There's 22 volumes of the first series, which is just 20th Century Boys, and there's a sequel series, 21st Century Boys, which has two volumes. Now, from what I heard, Viz is just releasing everything under 20th Century Boys, which is lame. You know? What does it really matter, though? I mean, as long as we get the manga. Very true, very true. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, oh, they're releasing Dragon Ball... The second half is Dragon Ball Z. What the fuck? Still, we're still getting the same shit. It's going to cost the same the price. Yes, we are. We got the first one. We're not getting two or three for another two years. Oh, well, whatever. I just... The thing is, is like they're probably going to put the same covers. They're just going to have different texts, and maybe they will change it. Because, I mean, fuck, what volume are we on? There's like 20 or 30 volumes of the first manga, if I'm remembering correctly. So by the time that happens, maybe they'll have changed their mind. Well, we don't know. It's pretty different. I mean, well, we should let you guys know what the fuck this is about. So, pretty much 20th Century Boys is... Uh, it's Is it continuity? I don't know what that means. Okay, it, it, it jumps all over the place. It starts off in the 60s, then it goes to the 90s, then it goes to the 60s, then it goes to the 90s. Oh, the yeah, 90s. yeah, it's... Well, it's kind of like Lost, where there's a main story, but then there's flashbacks to explain what's going on, like, that gives more detailed character backstory stuff. Like, oh, well, this is about to happen, let's go meet that guy, and then it'll flash back to when they met him when they were a kid, and it just, it makes the the stuff that goes on more meaningful. It's good yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool, because the series opens up with these four kids, uh... I really gotta mute this phone. Well, gonna pull out the fucking battery. But so it's these four kids: Kenji, Ocho. I, I'm surprised. It's like the Spanish number eight. Every time I see something, like it's Ocho. I thought there was like twelve of them. There's some ridiculous number. Yeah, Yoshi, Yoshi, Sune, and Maru, and they make this. I wouldn't call that a hideout. I just say they just took some some twigs and made it like a hut. Yeah, well, they made something. And then they made a time capsule, and I don't know, they went back to find it one day, and shit was awry. They find some symbol that they used for their hideout being used for a cult, and then the cult starts killing people. Yeah. Yes, and the leader of the cult is a guy named Friend. Now, I have only read up to about the fifth or sixth volume. Without spoiling anything, do we ever find out who that is? Sort of. Sort of? Okay. They kind of allude at the ending to the identity, but you're like, really? You couldn't even just do like a... the. Now, who was the, who was the goblin ghost? It was the owner of the carnival! Well, I mean, I'm I'll into a... a uh, what, what would you call it? An implied answer. That's okay. I mean, they don't need to blatantly be like, oh, it was fucking main character the whole time he had split personalities like in Fight Club 
But, you know, whatever. That would have been kind of cool. I don't think that would have worked, because I remember specifically a scene where they're talking to each other. Unless it's just like Fight Club, where it's all in his head. I don't know. It's, it's, see, I love the manga, so I don't want to steal it online to read it, but that leaves me with the only option to purchase it, and it's expensive to, to just drop, like, $15 a volume, because these ones are a little bit but more expensive. Good size volume. Oh, yeah, no, I'm yeah. not saying it's not worth it, I just, I don't have the money to be doing that right now. Like, I have, I have bigger priorities, I'd rather buy audio equipment than buy ten volumes of manga. Or four true, volumes, or whatever. Because the signature series costs a little bit more. You always get your money's worth, I say, because the the page the pages are printed on better paper. The covers are much sturdier. You might get some color stuff, and the the actual stories are higher quality than the run of the mill Shonen Jump shit. Mm, Which is very why, true, very true. Pretty much, if I buy manga ever these days, it's signature series or like some Del Rey thing, because Del Rey doesn't actually have a specific category for that. Or Dark well, Horse. Well, they're no longer Del Rey. They're now, what is it called? I don't Kodansha. know the fuck they are. But Me, I've been buying a lot of Vertical. Yeah, Vertical, that's another one that I would purchase if my bookstore ever carried them. So, I, I haven't actually had a chance to read any of those. But the last manga I bought was Sexy Voice and Robo. It was a much earlier signature series release and it's fucking big this thing is like the size of a notebook but like a really thick notebook i guess the textbook would have been a better analogy it's crazy though it came out in 2005 very true very true so overall this we're not really gonna spoil this well i mean there's more to the the plot than just the guy stole their symbol like they made this little book or the main character, what was his name, Kenji? He wrote this yeah. book where they're, like, saving the world, and he says, oh, well, first this will happen, and then this will happen, but then we'll save them, and it's been years since he he read that, and I think that book was missing when they went to get their time capsule, and all of these awful things that the friends, the, the name of the cult, all of the bad things they're doing are coinciding with this story that they wrote when they were kids, and Kenji is slowly remembering what happened in it. Because they don't tell you everything. Like, you don't just get to read the little book. It's like, with each thing that happens, he he's like, oh shit, they're gonna do this next, fuck! We gotta save people from this. But it's lots of characters to keep track of, but from what I remember, it's pretty easy to do so, because most of it's just the main guy having little conversations with the other people, up to the point that I've read, I think the sixth volume I said. The other characters, like the side characters, haven't done anything terribly important, so if you don't remember their names, it hasn't affected me up till this point. I imagine a couple of them will play a ma- yeah, bigger so role later on. Really, that you're going to remember his name for is Donkey, even though he's a useless character. Yeah. Well, doesn't. Well, never mind. The um. Well, I guess Spoiler. you you can edit it out if you want. Doesn't he like yeah. kill himself when he's introduced? I'm pretty sure he's yeah. dead. But it's that's it, why he's useless. <laughs> all of Arasawa's artwork is very unique. So most of the characters, even if you can't remember their names, their character designs themselves. Uh, 
are distinctive, distinctive enough where it's not going to cause a problem. Plus, if you read to the end of the book, you're going to figure it out by then. So. Very true, very true. The characters are very recognizable, and they're easy to tell. Okay, even if you don't remember, you just know, as opposed to just being like, hey, this guy looks like this guy. It's like, okay, that's long-haired guy, that's guy with guitar. Yeah, there's that's fat guy. the guy who... who who's, that is one thing... The rich guy who... Uh, uh-huh. the one thing that I do really like about Urasawa is that his artwork is very... It's very good. It's not hyper-realistic like Ikigami of Koi, uh, Kazuo Koike fame, but it's it's a lot better than your typical stuff. The guy was very influenced by Osama Tezuka, and so he actually tries to write good stories along with his artwork. And it's it's unique and enough. big noses. Yeah. Well, and he also does the star system. If you've read one thing by Urasawa, you're going to recognize the character designs in, you know, whatever the second piece of his work you read is. Because he'll, I mean, he'll make, s- s- like, little changes to them. And in other ones, you know, maybe the main character from one will be, like, a side character in the other one. But, like, Kenji, I don't remember what he looks like exactly, but I know I've seen it before, but... The one that's popping into my head is Master Keaton and Dr. Tenma from Monster are essentially the Very same true. character Very design, true. but Keaton is a much more immature-looking version of Tenma. Like a much yeah. more rugged version or something. Or, I mean, a um, little bit of spoiler territory, but by the end, he looks exactly like Dr. Tenma. Uh, Kenji looks exactly like Dr. Tenma at the end of the series. Interesting. Yeah, I couldn't. I, I actually, I guess I have the book in front of me. I could just look at what he looks like. Yeah, he does. He looks a little bit like him. Maybe if he grew his hair out. Oh, he look. He'll look exactly. He has that whole "I'm a refugee from the law" look at the ending. Yeah, I suppose by the end he's probably got his trench coat and a beard. Yeah. Yep. All, or, all we need is Johan, and then you, then. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it's a good book. I like the back and forth with the characters. Like, he makes pretty realistic back and forth dialogue. It's not that bullshit forced crap you get in a lot of manga and anime. Like, you actually believe these are people. And that's something that doesn't happen too often. They still do outlandish things. Like, there's one scene where a girl goes to a gang and's like, Hey gang, stop fighting! But at least what they're talking about doesn't sound... It's not like... This is me, and I'm telling you a thing so you know this part of the story. It's like the story tells itself. Which yeah, no, it's really, I can't think of a dialogue. good example. Oh, I, you know what? I can think of an example. Okay, so the first episode of Amagami SS or whatever, it opens up and the main character is in his closet hiding and his little sister says like what are you doing big brother hiding in your closet like always because you're depressed about that thing that happened so long ago like really you couldn't have let me just figure that out through context and a lot of anime does shit like that and that annoys me yeah and urasawa does not do that no, nah, he doesn't beat her. The only time he really beats around the bush is Master Keaton, but that's just because he has the other characters do the dialogue for you. That's the only thing which annoyed me about Keaton after I read it after Cal's kind of scathing review of it. Mm-hmm. It's just I don't like the fact that it's like they're like, oh, do you hear, 
what? Well, you know that he's a this and that. I was like, I would have preferred another way for him to tell it. But well, I think I think in Keaton, it's supposed to be gimmicky, like because it's just a very formulaic, like I don't know, like house. Like, oh, that's house. He's the best doctor ever. Like, it's just kind of, excuse me, princess. Like, the catchphrase of the week. Like, oh, he used to be in the SS or whatever. Not the SS. That's terrible. Master Keaton didn't exterminate the Jews. No, no, of course of course not. Of course not. What was he, the special (laughs) ops or something? He's he's in the SAS. That's right, the SAS. SAS. SAS, that's what it was. Yeah, so... Overall, I'd have to give 20th Century Boys... A plus. Yes, in our five-point rating, I gotta give it really, really, really fucking cool. Because it is. Really, really, really fucking cool. It's a little slow at times, but... Oh, I guess I'd never had that problem. But I also haven't read all 20 volumes. No, it it has a little bit, but it's not that bad. It keeps you hooked in, though. That's the thing. It's slow, but it, it builds. It's like when you're cooking something. You don't burn it. You just let it simmer for a bit, and you think about it, and it makes sense. It's like pieces of a puzzle. Well, I think at least with the release they're doing over here, and to a to a greater extent how it happened in Japan is, you're not gonna read it all in one sitting. Like they're still releasing it right now. Sure, you're probably gonna blow through the first couple volumes quick, but once you get on to where they're only releasing one every couple months, you're gonna be counting down the days. And probably going online and reading scanlations. But, just like, you know, the guy's famous. They're not going to let him finish his story in three weeks. That's that's more his editor. That's not necessarily his fault. Very true, very true. And definitely worth getting in your in your, catalog, your catalog, or your, sorry, not catalog, in your library. Definitely worth having. It's a bigger manga, but this is one that I definitely recommend you purchasing. Better than fucking Dragon Ball. Very true. And half as long. Now, me and John Paul didn't give this manga a real rating, so I'm going to have to give it the rating now. The rating is really, really, really fucking cool. It is definitely worth getting and having in your library. 20th Century Boys is a very influential and it's very thought-provoking. Some people say it's rather slow, but it's worth checking out. Now, the rest of our talk... Me and John Paul tried reviewing the big series of the episode, but we went on a little bit of a tangent, and it just didn't really fix after that. So either way, let's get back on with the original review with my first co-host, Timbo, and we'll see what happens. So we'll be going on in three, two, one. So we're back. Yes, it's back to the first part of the podcast. Yes, I know it's, well, kind of crazy and different and kind (laughs) of... I know we went on that tangent for, like, I don't know how long about Requiem for a Dream, but, hey, it's Requiem for a fucking dream, and you got... And, yeah, okay. Yeah, I get that. (laughs) And so... I'm back. Yes, Timbo. Timbo is back. I know we were ranting about movies, too, but... Yes, yeah, so we now should... we're going to rant about what we're supposed to rant about. Yes, because if you remember from the last episode of the Spyro Command Review, I spun the wheel manga, and it dictated that I'd be reviewing a pretty interesting series, a very dark series. Now, what are we talking about? We're talking about that series, which is, as I know I'm repeating this, which I said with Fight Bait earlier, but the fact is we should just get right into it because it's the best way to do this. And we're talking about that series by Kentaro Mara who he hasn't even finished. He's working on it for like 12 years, and he's never going to be ever done with it because he's gotten so fucking lazy. Yeah, it just, it comes out every couple of months here. I don't know how often it comes out in Japan, but... Like, it's like months in between each chapter, so it's like... It just, and it just, to be honest, every story arc 
kind of takes a while. So they're kind of drawn out, they're kind of long. Um, the manga is pretty epic, though. Yes, and it is. It spawned a TV series, which hopefully there's a season two. Yes, there is. They actually have trailers for it, <laughs> so there's going to be a season two, but the thing is, it's going to be a relaunch. Okay. And I could see that going good or bad. Yeah, I, I'll watch it either way, because the first season was amazing. And it also spawned a few video games. Um, for the PlayStation 2 and for the Dreamcast. And the one for the Dreamcast actually came out in America, but it's very hard to find. Yes, I could have bought it for $4, and I didn't because I'm an idiot. And I could have yeah. sold it on eBay for $2,000, but yeah. I'm a moron. I, I'm, I'm also an idiot. I, I could have got it for pretty cheap as well. And, yes. And when I had an actual, actual Dreamcast... It probably would have been one of the few games I actually played on it. Yes, even though the game was horrible. Yeah, but just the fact that it's... It's this character, yeah. and we're talking about, of course, this action horror dark fantasy drama, which is... Berserk. Yes, Berserk. Published by Harensha in Japan and over here by Dark Horse Comics. It's got a pretty faithful following, surprisingly, yeah. over here. And it's a Senate, and there's like 36 volumes out, and it's still fucking coming out, and eventually, maybe we'll get more stuff out, eventually. And... and Maybe someday it will be resolved. I doubt that. <laughs> so far, 34 volumes in that I've read, yeah, there hasn't really been a whole lot of resolution. <laughs> no, there hasn't. Now, the first part we kind of glossed over with John Paul, so we're going to really, like I said, we're just going to start off with this. Now, we could go actually chronologically of the manga, which is continuity, because present, then past, then present, then future, then past. Yes. All over the place, but we're going to just go with the basic. What is Guts' life about? Well, this guy... He was uh, born from a dead mother under a hanging tree. And a mercenary basically raised him. Pretty much, and it was just from here, his life gets worse. Yeah, you think, yeah. How could it get any worse? I mean... <laughs> how, how could you be ripped from your mother, dead mother's womb and have things get worse? But they do. Um, his father, and I'm using the dink dinks again, um, he basically sells them off to the other mercenaries as a sex toy. Um, Which they allude at in the anime, but you never find out why in the yeah. anime. Yeah. Um, which then leads Guts to kill a man as a child, and or one of the mercenaries, and he has to basically run for his life. Because it was, even though you could say it wasn't his fault, the fact is that it was self-defense, but they didn't believe yeah. him because they thought he was a cursed child, and it gets even worse. He gets now a cut across his face and three shots, arrows in the back. Yes. So... So for those of you at home who are playing the game, mark off those points on <laughs> yeah, his body. Yeah. Uh, Guts gets injured quite a bit. Yes, we're going to... And he just keeps going. Yes, he's... <laughs> he's. There are a lot of badass characters like Golgo13, Kenshiro, yes. who are a little scarred, but they keep going, and they're not that bad. At the current point, Guts is... I'm surprised he's still fucking alive. Yeah, there's no way a regular human would be actually be alive, but that's, that's what makes his character so... His will to survive to get revenge on... Yes, um, we're getting to that. <laughs> uh, just keeps him going, and yeah. Yep, so from here on out, he ends up becoming a mercenary who uses a pretty big sword. and it's Which, when he's a teenager, nobody really believes that he can wield it, and he actually can wield it pretty well. With one hand. Yes, and he, sub- he actually kills his first uh, enemy um, and gets the bounty on this guy who's in giant armor 
And he looks actually, like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Yeah, he kind of does look like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, but he has a giant axe or mace or something, and he actually almost kills Guts, but Guts gets the upper hand. And yes, and so from this point he gets ends up hooking up with the Band of the Hawk, which is a group of mercenaries who are the greatest known within Midland. Cause and yeah. they're led by Griffith, who is a girly boy. Yes, there's a lot of... In the first story arc, there's a lot of homoeroticism with the fact that Griffith is in love with Guts, yeah. or if he's just... Because he even admits, at one point, to finance his army, he has sex with the dirty old man to get money. Yes. And later on, the dirty old man says, you won't kill me, you loved me, didn't you? And Griffith's like, it was just business. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> um, there's kind of like the gruff bodybuilder Guts, and then there's the girly boy Griffith, and they have a water fight which is pretty kinda, gay yeah it looks kind of gay yes. but there's not that there's anything not that there's anything wrong with that but there it's for this it's, <laughs> it's really out of place especially because yeah. the manga opens up with him nailing a hot chick who turns out to be a demon yes and there's a lot of sex in it sex <laughs> all types of sex and we're not just talking about boy on boy or girl on girl or boy on girl we're talking about goblin on girl uh, horse on girl demons on girl i there's there's a whole lot of it it's not not to get confused this is not a hentai but they put this in for effect i guess they want to be as real as realistic as possible yeah honestly if there's demons taking over the world there's gonna be some rape it's just gonna happen <laughs> yeah it's just there's a lot it's it's very fanciful world is very ground and real reality yeah. with a lot of things which are happening in it now there's a couple other members of the Band of Hawk that we do follow. First off, because Guts has been kind of indentured into Griffith's service, sort of. They he he loses, kind of loses a fight um, with Griffith, um, and that's kind of how he gets forced into it. Um, and he becomes the raid leader of the Band of the Hawk. And you have the strike leader, who is this girl named Casca, who is she's kind of the person that's supposed to keep an eye on Guts and keep him in line. Sort of, and uh, and she gets there's a bit of jealousy with her and and guts because she she's been working so hard to make Griffith happy and guts just kind of comes along and Griffith has a little boy crush on him, so <laughs> yeah, so it's like what the hell? It's like she's like, why are you trying to take my man? Yeah, and meanwhile guts he doesn't care. He's like kind of like just aim me at something and I'll kill it. Yeah. Um. There's a part where he becomes known as the, is it the Hundred Man? Yeah. Uh, killer. Yeah, because, the Hundred Man Slayer. Yeah, because he can basically just, with his giant sword, just chop people in half, and and he does it actually to protect Casca, who is he falls in love with slowly over time, mm-hmm. and this leads to a bigger point later on. So yes. next character you have is Ricket. Ricket is a little kid who joins the army and the Battle Hawk, and he's just there for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of escapes the big climax of the first story arc, um, unscathed, um, and he does survive to, to live on, although... He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't really know what happens, and but he kind of is left to take care of... Well, I'm getting ahead of myself, I yes. guess. Yes, and then you have the three other characters. You have Corcus. He's kind of like a douche. Yeah, he's that, that's it. He's just he's the douchey guy who you want to who you want to get killed. He wants to make money. He wants to get girls, but he really doesn't want to lift a finger to do that. So he's kind of complains whenever they go above and beyond what 
what their job is as mercenaries um, when mm-hmm. Griffith starts trying to schmooze into the higher echelon of, of Midland he's pretty against it he just wants to be a mercenary he wants to fight make money yeah and eventually he first hates guts and then mm-hmm. he gets some sort of camaraderie with him then you have Pippin who's just the big tall the big he's just the big guy yep. he doesn't really talk at all much but he's like he's kind of loyal um, he'll he'll fight for you if he if, if he t- feels you're worthy yeah, and he's uh, one of the better characters, and it's a shame how he goes. He goes out swinging, don't get me yeah. wrong. And then you have Judo. He's the guy that kind of... Lifts is, everyone's spirits? Yeah, he lifts everyone's spirits. He There's a couple points in the story where he talks guts up and keeps him going. He's pretty much a friend to the end. He'll he'll help you out. And and he's another person in love with Casca. Yes, yes, he does have a crush on Casca, which kind of gets alluded to. It's not really something that... Builds up too much. It doesn't. There's no real. But oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a whole big thing with judo and these characters. Even though they seem like a really big part, and they are for a long time. Like yes. most manga series, they are in for the length of this series, yes. and it's literally just a drop in the bucket. Yes. Uh, the first story arc. I, I I don't even know how many volumes it was. At but least twelve. It's basically a flashback of guts's younger life as part of the Band of the Hawk, and it's very long and and it's the entirety of television series. So... Yeah, it's just it's the whole thing is they are conscripted to join Midland's army against this kingdom of Chundor, which, yeah. it's just a fight, it's a war, and they're part it's, of the... It's just, yeah, they just had to have a backdrop of, of two countries at war and so that a mercenary band would have a point. Um, if they didn't have a point, then it would be kind of silly. Very true, but Trundor <laughs> has the greatest leader of all time, Adon Korbowitz. Yeah, he has all these silly maneuvers and moves, and it, he sounds like... Uh, <laughs> Used car salesman? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he, he has like these attacks that he does. He sounds like a, like a classic anime character. It's, it's, it's honestly a kind of parody and, and it's comic relief to some degree when whenever they kind of fight him he does have a pretty big role in the in the war he's they fight him several times um, which he always loses but yeah and he <laughs> should have been fired a long time ago but he apparently does get results in other things it's just that he's kind of lame and you just kind of yeah. like his and his Back history keeps changing, like yeah. the 300 years of Korbowitz family history, the yeah. 10,000 years of Korbowitz. Yeah, he, he, he kind of embellishes his, his family history and, and his abilities, but um, mm-hmm. he is, he's kind of the, the face of the enemy, I guess, because they, really, they don't really go into the other country too much. They don't really talk about their royalty or anything like that. He's just kind of the guy that they fight all the time. Yeah, what happens is that Overall, the series, to break it down even further. The whole thing is that, as they're fighting along, Griffith has this little babble that he, bobble that he plays with. It's a yes. little weird-shaped pendant. It almost looks like a Christmas tree ornament for satanic rituals. Uh, not that they celebrate Christmas, but it's basically a red, egg-shaped thing with facial features on it. So it has an eye, it has eyes, it has a nose, and it has a mouth. They're all rearranged. Yeah, they're all rearranged, so they're all kind of in different spaces. 
and he got this from when he was a child from a I think it was an old lady who wasn't an old lady. Yeah, exactly. He came from very poor background, but he always aspired to work his way up, and that's what he's doing through the band of the hawk. And the, the old lady said that if he had, as long as he had this thing, he eventually would become king of a of a country. Yeah. And his followers would serve him in this purpose. Yeah. So, basically, Band of the Hawk, he's basically using that as a as a springboard to work his way up through the ranks of, of, the, of the country. And that's working pretty well. Yeah, because basically the Band of the Hawk becomes almost the, the country's full army because they get so many members and they're so effective in all of... The fights they have, especially with the help of Guts, even though he doesn't really get the glory for it, he's one of the big reasons why they, they have such success. Yeah, and what, and he's on his way. I mean, if he waits a couple of years, because the princess is interested in him, she wants him. Mm-hmm. And if he waited a couple of years because of the fact that the heir to the throne mysteriously died... <laughs> yeah, Griffith kind of works his way into the princess's heart and kind of deflowers her. Well, um, that happens after everything goes to shit. <laughs> yeah. Alright, so there's a whole backstory with the king. He loves his daughter and he keeps her kind of locked away to some degree. You know, not not completely, but he tries to keep her for himself. Yeah, he's... To he's, he's, the point where he actually rapes her or tries to we don't. No, they don't. They, we don't. They don't really he kinda go into it. Goes after her because he kind of starts losing his mind because he knows that she's falling in love with Griffith. And Griffith, everything's going good for him. If he waits yeah. a couple of years and the king dies, he is technically like next in line for the throne because yeah. he's the general of the armies. Yeah. And things will work out. But guts. He kind of jumps the gun. Well, guts decides to leave. He decides to go off on his own. For whatever reason, I can't, it escapes me at the moment. He but. wants to prove himself that because Griffith said the only man who could be my friend is a man who could follow his own heart. Yeah. And Guts realized he wants to follow his own, find his place in life. So he yes. leaves, beats the hell out of Griffith in a fight because Griffith says you can leave if you can beat me. And yeah. one swing, Guts wins, and this completely shatters Griffith's morale and everything. And he yeah. jumps the gun. Yes, and basically gets they find out that he's trying to get with the princess and all that and then the band of the hawk kind of gets ousted and griffith gets locked away and tortured and tortured quite a bit and the band of the hawk kind of has to hide out for a while um a couple of years yeah. and guts comes back he helps break out yes. griffith and griffith is now in- emaciated um, he still wear. He still has the helmet on that he wears, which looks like a hawk. I guess cause mm-hmm. that's why they're the band of the hawk. Um, he's a white. He's the white hawk, is what they call him. And but basically, he's naked and scarred, and he can't walk and he can't talk. He's just completely destroyed. But he somehow he doesn't have the bailet when he's when he's jailed. But somehow the bailet, which is the little trinket thingy, gets back to him. Because it's destiny, and and it and it it shows finds its up, way back to him, and he knows something's wrong, and he sees guts coming towards him, and he's mm-hmm. saying in the back, of his head, don't come any closer, don't follow me," and guts and the band of hawk does, and all hell breaks loose, yes. literally. And before that happens, I'm gonna backtrack a little bit. The other little side story is that Casca, being in love with Griffith for so many years, 
and then finds out that basically Griffith doesn't feel the same way for her. She kind of loses faith in Griffith to some degree, um, and then somehow along the way, Guts and her become lovers. an item, and they become lovers, and they do have a few pages of sex in the manga. Sixteen. <laughs> Sixteen pages. Yes. Volume yes. thirteen. Yes. <laughs> and, and so, they have fun together. And, and Casca won't leave Griffith once he's like, because he's like, you come with me after yes. we save Griffith, they'll be fine, he'll lead, we'll be able yeah. to have a life of our own, and Griffith is so emaciated that Casca's like, I can't leave him like this, he needs to be taken care of. Yes. And So they stick around, and then in the meantime, the bailet starts changing. And becomes and, a crying face. Yes, but the crying is blood, instead of just regular tears, and it causes an eclipse. Mm-hmm. And the eclipse ushers in the God Hand. They are the four, basically, I don't know what they are. They don't really ever tell you what they are. They're kind of like rulers of, a, of another dimension or something. We don't know. They rule everything. There's four of them. The most prominent one is a character known as Void. Yeah, he's, he's kind of like a weird, uh, I don't know... Uh, S&M freak kind of looking guy with his brains kind of sticking out. He kind of he kind of looks like uh, Attack from Mars characters. Yes, yes. <laughs> then um, you have um, Slane, who is the girl, who mm-hmm. she is looks she's a naked woman with bat wing, wings which cover her yeah. boobs, and she and is she has kind of like snakes for hair, so she's kind of like Medusa almost. But and she actually has a thing for guts throughout yeah. the series, like she hates him but she loves him at the same time like yeah. she's his favorite play she thing tries to seduce him later on in the in the in the but well, kind he, well, of she's through, entrails <laughs> yeah yeah it's very it's very strange so then you have ubik who's the one who dressed up as an old lady and gave him the bailet saying yeah. that this is the road to your kingdom all the bodies that you've killed and the ones that you're going to sacrifice to us will give you your kingdom yes and then last there's conrad who just has a spinny wheelie thing and he gets killed off later on yeah guts kind of chops him in half yeah um but the two the two little blobby ones that kind of float around they they're kind of the same they're kind of similar so they're kind of hard to pick apart but yeah. one of them dies the other one doesn't whatever um basically griffith bringing on this eclipse and bringing the god hand they're going to turn him into one of them and he's going to be called femtu femtu or yeah. He's getting, pretty much he's getting a promotion. Yes. And in order to, for him to get his promotion, he has to give them a little sacrifice, and his sacrifice is... The Band of the Hawk. The entire Band of the Hawk. They all get ripped apart by a bunch of demons, and the demons are called apostles. Now, I, there's lesser apostles and, and higher apostles, and they all have, they all, they've all had a bailet at some point in their existence... And that's how they've become these demons. But they don't have the good bailet. The good bailet is the yeah. red one, the royal yes. bailet, which all the four main god hands have. But the ruler of them is now apparently Femto. Yes, apparently he's the the the, the chosen one or the, the one that was destined to become the the ruler of the god hand. Yes, and so everyone's get gets marked by this symbol called the brand, which is a very prominent symbol in the series, which is on guts's. It appears on guts's neck. It appears on Casca's breast. And just everywhere else. And if you're, if you are connected by this, it says you are a sacrifice to the God Hand and the Apostles, and you they are drawn to you to kill you. Yes. And as everyone's getting killed left and right, Guts and Casca 
are the last two left. Everyone gets killed horribly. Yes. Rickett didn't get chosen, as we said, because yeah, he was... He, he was somewhere else. Um, there was something else going on. He witnessed the eclipse, and he witnessed the demons arising, but he didn't... He wasn't actually in the... They kind of get... All the Band of the Hawk kind of get sucked into this other dimension where they basically, you know, that's where they get killed. And he's he was somewhere else, so he doesn't actually get... He's not there for that part. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of escapes and, and gets yeah. found later. Yeah, and uh, Guts is trying to get to Griffith, and everyone's trying to protect Casca, and everyone's dying left and right. Yes. Mm-hmm. And basically, everybody dies. Casca gets raped. By Griffith, who's by, now yes, crazy. And, and she was almost raped by some of the other demons as well, um, but uh, Guts kind of fought them off for her. Yes. So, Griffith, as Femto now, he's now turned into the God Hand guy, rapes Casca, and Guts tries to fight his way to him to stop him, and the demons all kind of bum-rush him. Uh, one bites his hand to make him not able to get there. And correct. Sure. And basically, Guts jabs his broken giant sword into his arm to chop it off so he can escape the monster and still save Casca. And he makes so, it ten feet, and they grab him, yes. slam him on the ground, and force him to watch. And, and in the meantime, as he's as he's forced to watch, the, the demon that's holding his head jams his claw into his one eye. So, so blood starts gushing out of his eye, he can only see out of the other eye, and he's watching Casca get ripped. So, let's see now. Several scars on his arm. Put that on the little chart, yeah. and also... Yeah. So, so arm chopped off from basically just under the elbow, um, and eye gouged out. Yes, and <laughs> so it looks pretty bad. And this is where actually the TV series ends, right yes. here where they're holding him down and he's watching yes. them to rape the woman he loves while looking at him in a way like this is like you're never yeah. going to be happy. There's a little bit of a, 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 a epilogue to it, so they're, they're, they they do you do know that that guts and, and Casca do escape. So at this point, we're pretty much sure that Casca and guts are fucked. I mean, even though we know, it's like you kind of in the back of you're like, how the fuck are they going to get out of this? They're really just screwed. Yeah, there's really you just kind of there's this is no way out situation, and enter. The Skull Knight, who comes to save them. And who is the Skull Knight? We still don't know. <laughs> it's been over 17 volumes, and we don't... All we know is that, one, he technically was dating the witch from later on. Yes. Um, there's a possibility he's an apostle to some degree who kind of rebelled against the apostles, or something. Or first king of Midland who went yes. crazy. Yes, so there's there's all kinds of possibilities of what he is. But he comes to Guts's aid at several points throughout the story. and He's kind of like the special move from Capcom versus SNK. You push it, push yeah. three, fight three, Skull Knight comes out, <laughs> yeah. saves the day, yeah, and then yeah. he flies away. Yeah, it's he's kind of like the, the mysterious stranger from, from Fallout 3. Every once in a while, you, you go into vats, and, and the dude just comes out of nowhere, and he's just like... He just takes everybody out, and then, and then, walks away. Saved. <laughs> and the only person who knows who he is is oh god, we completely forgot about him. Zod. Oh yes. Zod well, is. He is an apostle, and he he's one of the few apostles you actually see before the eclipse. 
Um, this is before you know what an apostle is. He, he, you just think he's some random demon. Um, they call him Nosferatu Zod. He has a human, human-ish form. He still looks like a, he looks like a beast, pretty much. And then he has his monster form, where he's just like a big, giant, horned monster with bat wings. And yes, and he respects guts because guts is the one of the only people who's ever actually hurt him. Yes, but he yeah. chopped off one of his horns. And actually, there's a part where guts and Griffith try to fight Zod, and and guts is kind of holds his own, even though he he still kind of gets his ass whipped, but... And Zod wants, is actually respecting him, yes. and he's like, you can't, this came enough, and I'll fight you again later on. Yes. And he sees the bailet on Griffith's spy. He's like, if this guy's your friend, he's gonna kill you. Yeah. He kind of warns him in a way. Yeah. And he helps out Guts a couple times throughout the yes. series. Like, he likes Guts, but... But as the series goes on, he also becomes one of uh, Griffith's minions, yeah. He takes Guts' place. He's yes. the raider, raider leader, so he just yes. he assumes Guts' place, but he that's, respects Guts. That's many, many volumes later. Yes, <laughs> yes. So, anyway, so they escape, they leave, and now you find out that there is a cave where they take it to a cave where they cannot be touched, because for some reason a fairy died there, and as long as Guts and Casca stay in this cave... They're safe. They're safe, because the minute they walk outside... Yes. The apostles come looking for them to sacrifice them. And every time a po- an apostle is, is close, the brands that they have start to bleed. And they get intense pain, and that's how they know when an apostle's around. So actually, Guts kind of uses that to his advantage to some degree. He kind of uses it as an apostle detector. So Yes, and Casca, on the other hand, because of all the situations, seeing all of her friends get killed, seeing her best friend get killed, seeing her lover watches the person she was in love with rape her. Yes, she, she goes basically catatonic. She doesn't speak anymore. She's kind of completely out of her mind at this point. And she kind of is afraid of everything. And, Especially guts. And, yeah, so... Rickett comes back at this point, somewhere along the way, and Guts, who's the blacksmith that, that makes his swords, he basically takes Casca in, takes Ricketts in, and and he has a granddaughter, and they all kind of watch out for Casca. And they live by, ironically, by the this fairy cave. Yes, the safe haven. So Guts immediately decides, I want revenge, and... He basically gets a bigger sword made for him, which it's like not even a sword at this point. It's just a big hunk of metal. And the arm that he got ripped off, he gets a fake arm made for him, which you actually find out has a built-in cannon, which is pretty cool. Actually, that's the first scene of the manga you see the freaking cannon, which is awesome. Yes, Um, and he also has like a crossbow attachment for it. It doesn't really do anything. It, it just kind of has mag- it, it's kind of magnetic, so he can hold the sword with it, but it, he can't actually use it as a hand. It's just kind of just as for show, sort of. But the cool thing, interesting thing enough, is that the actual that hand actually existed. Yes. It actually existed back in his story because there are rumors that guts is actually based off this guy Gutz von Berlinger, a German knight. Who had lost his right arm, and he actually had an iron prosthetic arm, which had a yes. magnet in it, so he could hold 
the sword. So it's kind of cool because there's a lot of references to the past, which yes. kind of makes sense, especially. Kind of feel like the world of Midland and is you know is a reference to actual places and, and events in history to some degree with. The, all the fantasy and all that stuff thrown in, so and, and yeah. demons and all that stuff. So, from this point on, let's get into a little further. Griffith has dis- is now officially a femto. He's lost everything, and he pretty much raids. Uh, I forgot. I think Goro is the name of the blacksmith. He raids his shop, mm-hmm. takes a bunch of stuff, takes a repeating crossbow, takes gets the yes. arm, and he goes on a killing spree for all the different apostles and all the apostles think, hey. You're just that black swordsman that I'm gonna kick your ass. You're just a human, yes. and the but, thing is that he doesn't give a shit anymore. Yeah, guts pretty much does not care. He is ready to go all out and just take every apostle down that he can from now until he dies. You know, until he just can't live anymore. And his ultimate goal is to get revenge on Griffith, or as he's now called Femtu. Yes, um, and. That's actually where the manga and also the the anime both start. Is he's kind of guts. Well, the manga starts with him having sex with a demon that he doesn't know is a demon. It's a woman, and then it turns into a demon, but he in, into an apostle. But apparently, he knew that that was the whole point because yep. he just was luring her in so he could kill her. Yeah, and she was like, <laughs> "Oh, you you you're you're that black swordsman. I'm gonna kill you now." And he's like, "Well." Suck on this bitch. Yeah. And he basically blows her up with the cannon that's hidden in his arm. Then he goes off to fight this the next apostle, which is he tur- basically a guy who's a despot. He's running this country. We don't know what it, what country it is re- really. But it, he's kind of look... He has some reptilian features to him. He looks like Serpentor from yeah. G.I. Joe. Yeah, basically. <laughs> well, when he, when he turns into the actual apostle, he's just like a big... He's like a big cobra. Like, he's a big snake with arms. Yeah. And he kind of beats the crap out of Guts for a bit. Guts eventually gets the upper hand, kind of chops him in half. And as the Apostle is is begging for mercy, Guts just keeps shooting him with his repeating crossbow. In his face, and he's like... And laughs maniacally. (laughs) I wonder why Casca's afraid of him just a little bit. So that's that's actually the, the first issue of the manga and also the first episode of the show, which then... Goes back to the. Then it backtracks to the backstory of which we've all yes. already discussed. Now this is where it diverges because there's a character who's introduced called Puck, who for the first half of the series is pretty cool, but then yeah, at the later half he's just kind of becomes just stupid comic relief. He has no real purpose at all. He's an elf, or at least that's what they call him. He's a little creature that flies around. He's and in the beginning of the series he actually looks like an elf. He actually looks has. A human form and kind of, you know, with some wings, and he's kind of naked, and he flies around. And, and he, he's there to pretty much show Guts he has humanity left, because yeah. Guts is kind of watching out for him. He's like, get the hell away from me, elf. But he mm-hmm. treats him okay, and he heals Guts a lot. Yeah, because Guts, not really being the, the demon fighter yet, he's still kind of learning that whole role. Kind of gets beat up a lot. So Puck is kind of trying to help him out, and then, again, eventually Puck becomes a useless character. He just... He gets this silly, cartoonish, big head. Mm-hmm. The super deformed form. Yeah, and it just he just comic relief with another character who we will talk about in a bit. In a bit. 
But it's kind of funny, though. You see him as a salary man in the past. Yes. He's just that, like a Japanese salary man going, yes, yes, yes you pay us money. There, there were parts in, in, in earlier on with Puck where they would show that form of him, but it was like interspersed as little comic relief bits, and then you'd see Puck as Puck, and you know, as, as an actual character, and now it's just constant. Now he's just always... The yeah. salary man, or whatever other or silly thing. Or the king, or a president, or yeah. at one point he looks like Rambo. It's yeah. like, yeah. really? Come on, are you just out of ideas at this yeah. point? So, so that's one of the nitpicky things we have yes. about the series. But otherwise, um, he does still kind of play an important role, even if it's not just his character, but just the fact of, that he exists. Yeah. Um, uh, so from here on, besides him fighting a couple other apostles, including this one who was shown in the anime for a second, who was a little fairy girl. Yes. Who well, that was a very, kind of sad story, but it was yes. cool. She was a girl who kind of oh, it's it's been so long, but she yeah she gets shown in in the anime. She's one of the one of the apostles that Ricket actually sees, but during the the eclipse and. He doesn't get, you know, he doesn't really have any interaction with her. He just kind of sees her, and she comes back into play in a later story arc. It turns out she was a girl who, I believe she was an orphan. Her parents, no, her parents treated her like shit, and yeah. she ran away because she heard about the fairies. Yes. And she comes across the bailet, and they say, okay, we'll turn you into a quote-unquote fairy. Yeah, but she's actually more like a moth demon kind of thing. She's like, she she goes from a fairy-looking creature to just Mothra, basically. Yeah, and she's not <laughs> evil. Well, she's evil, but not really. Yeah, she's not necessarily Missy. trying to be evil, but she doesn't really know what and, she's supposed to do. Yeah, she doesn't know any better, and it just is a whole lot. Of... So, I mean, that was one of the one of the minor story arcs. Um, but they then, just kind of have yeah. a few minor story arcs to kind of build up the black swordsman yep. aspect of guts, where he's hunting down the god, uh, the apostles in the god hand. And then we're introduced to his next person who's in love with him, and that's his Farnas. Yeah. Who is a religious zealot. Yes, basically. She is the leader of the Holy Sea Knights, which are the Holy Iron Chain Knights of the Holy Sea, which is the Holy Sea becomes the the church, the religious zealot church after all the things that have happened. And of course their symbol of a cross doesn't mean anything. No, yeah, yeah. no, no, of course not. Um, and they basically, this, this church basically has an Inquisition going on, and this is like the first story arc of manga that basically takes forever. It, like, feels endless. It does, because she's just trying to chase down Guts because he's considered a heretic for some reason. Yes, because nobody really knows what, what his deal is. You, he's just kind of like a shadow. Nobody really knows who he is, it's just he's the Black Swordsman, they don't know if he's a good guy, a bad guy, whatever, but... She's supposed to hunt him down. And he saves her from being raped by her horse. Yeah. Um, the horse <laughs> turns out to be... Well, anyway. That's, that's one of the most <laughs> memorable scenes with Farnes. Yes. She's got quite the past herself. She's a pyromaniac, which comes from her childhood. Um, She's a religious zealot. She yes. likes watching people burn. Yeah, yeah. She, she, has, some, she has some problems. Her parents are nobles or whatever. The father had a illegitimate child called Serpico, and Serpico is actually Farnes's like bodyguard. She does not know that he's her half brother, but he knows, and so that's why he, he follows her around. Farnes falls in love with Guts for a very strange reason. 
because he's, I don't know, he kind of dominates her a bit. He has, like, a dominatrix submissive issue. Yes, um, and um, also interesting fact is that in the beginning of the series, Varnish can't see Puck. Correct. But Serpico can see Puck, which is yes. kind of interesting. Yeah. And what happened is from this point, you have that Guts runs afoul of the religious cult because... Casca mm-hmm. escapes the, um, the cave where she's kept safe. And she gets taken in by a band of whores, basically. Part of the Inquisition is finding all the, you know, all the whores and the sexual deviants and and the murderers and everything. And they're trying to, you know, what the Inquisition does is tries to convert people or basically torture them to death. So she gets taken in by these these whores. They do not make her be a whore. Because she's, she's very childlike at this yeah, point. Yeah, she, she, she has no idea. So they they're, they're, they are actually good people. They're just trying to make a living in, in this messed up world that's overrun by demons and, and crazy people and all this stuff. And the smush-faced cardinal. Yes. So the, the big priest or cardinal or whatever he's called in the show, he's the, the guy that's running the Inquisition. And, and his face is all smushed up because he basically slams his head into the floor. <laughs> repeatedly. Every day. So, he's got this big, flat nose, like like a boxer. And he's kind of weird looking, and the minute you see him, you immediately think he's not human. Which turns out to be true, because he's actually an apostle. Not an apostle of the religion, like one of the god hand, a demon. He's actually a monster. So, he's not a good guy. He really isn't, because he thinks, I mean... His servants, it says, like, okay, he's actually a good person, but yeah. something happened, he went crazy. Yeah. And you see, like, there's also this factor, there's this other uh, sex cult yeah. where his wife was a part of it. It's this whole thing, which yeah. it's really just a little nitpicking. Yeah, the one of the whores is part of this sex cult, even though, and not everybody knows about it, but, and that's one of the things where, actually, Casca almost gets attacked and raped by people. And something weird happens. Yeah. She's protected by something in her, which, well, we know it's... Well, spoil it. It's her and Guts' kid, which has been mutilated by Griffith's evil demon sperm. Yeah. We still haven't gotten the whole uh, explanation on that thing, but... But he's shown up now as a child. Yes. So, there's... It's kind of coming full circle at this point, but But he kind of shows up periodically. As a weird blobby thing. <laughs> and later on as a kid who looks exactly like Casca and Guts together. Yeah. And he protects her. He keeps the demons away for mm-hmm. long periods of time and it's just their job to, you know, rawr. So, long story short, uh, Inquisition, um, there's guys that work for the Cardinal who are the Inquisitors and they basically just torture people. Mm-hmm. And they all, they're all kind of weird and, and, and misshapen and so they're they're just they're crazy. Guts ends up fighting the cardinal. He has to kill him. Blah blah blah. And then somewhere yep. along the way, Farnes decides she's gonna follow Guts. Yep. So now she joined in. Serpico, being I'm gonna protect my sister, follows him along too. Yes. And the little side point about Puck not being her not being able to see him because of the whole apostle thing. Now she, they've kind of her eyes have been opened up to the supernatural. I guess you could say. So now she can see Puck, and she knows that Puck exists. Most people can't see Puck because of his elf magic, or whatever you want to call whatever it. Whatever it is. Next you have the next joiner of the group, which is Ishidro, who's a little thief, and this kid who just follows Guts around. Yeah. 
and he's just kind of a spy, and he throws he throws stuff, and he gets a magic dagger later. Yes. And he's like now Puck's best friend, and this is when things kind of degrade with both of them because they seem interesting, yeah. but then pfft. Isidro still has some plot here and there, but most of the time it's just him and Puck being comic relief. They both get that cartoony face, and they look stupid. <laughs> so from this point, Guts takes Casca back to the cave, and who's there talking to Rickett? <laughs> Griffith has returned in yes. human form, and Guts immediately tries to kill him. Yes, and then Griffith kind of disappears for a while again. And saying that pretty much, I know you're kind of mad at me, but the fact is that you don't matter. Yeah. All that matters is me and my kingdom. Yes. So, things kind of, he kind of goes away for a while again. You don't really see him too much. They kind of introduce this other country, which is called the Kushan Empire or whatever. And not, not like not like a certain Middle Eastern religion. No, no, not no, at no, all. no, no, not at all. Um, yeah, they're they're very Middle Eastern looking. They look like they could be Hinduish. They could be Muslim. They could be Persian. We yeah, don't. Yeah, yeah. You don't really know, but they're they're dark skinned and 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 they're fighting white people. Yeah, no, they're, they're fighting Midland because of the fact that the king doesn't, who's yeah. an apostle, believes that he should be the ruler of all the apostles. Yes. That Femto doesn't exist, and yes. he wants Princess Charlotte for his own. Meanwhile, Princess Charlotte, there's only one person she wants, who she's making lots of paintings and other obsessive, compulsive things about. Yes, which is Griffin. But anyway, the Kushan Empire is basically taking over, and, and Midland's kind of falling apart. They, they really can't hold it together. And this is the next story arc and we're introduced yes. to two more characters. The elf called Everella and her mistress who's a witch in training who ends up teaching Farnus who went from religious zealot to witch zealot. Yes. So Shirky is a young girl. She's living she, they, she lives in this forest where this older witch is basically training her to become a full witch and she has her little friend of elf origin She's very similar to Puck. And basically, there's a troll invasion of a nearby town. And the women are disappearing for strange yes. reasons, which we yes. actually see. Which, yeah, you find out the trolls are having sex with them. And then they're having little troll babies, which are gross. Which within, <laughs> And this happens within five minutes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty instantaneous. Conception, pregnancy, birth. The troll babies kind of just explode from the women, so women are dead. Yes, and it's a pretty cool fight sequence, and also, like we said, Sone shows up again to kind of harass Guts. Mm-hmm. And Guts, at the end of this, he gets a huge power upgrade. Yes. Throughout this story arc, they've they become friends. They they make their way into this area, which you find out the, the older witch knows the Skull Knight, and kind of a little tie-in there, but uh, they get help from the witches and they to basically fend off these trolls. Serpico gets... I think he gets a cloak, and he gets a sword, and it's basically wind-powered. And Farnas doesn't... He just gets magic spells, and Ishidro gets a fire dagger. Yes. And so they they fight off things, and then, long story short, the the older witch kind of dies, kind of loses her power, or whatever it is. What happens is she's protecting them, because as they're fighting the troll army... Who shows up for his revenge but new Band of the Hawk? Yes. All apostles there to hunt Casca, mm-hmm. Guts, and kill them all. Yes. And um, she protects them, they all die, and it's a pretty sad sequence. And from then on, she tells Guts to take Casca 
to this area of the fairyland where they'll be safe forever. Yes. It's like Avalon. Which the- is which is where Puck supposedly is from, and Puck knows how to get there. So that's why he's important, even though his character really is. And this is kind of where it's going now, because they're trying to get there. Yes. And the other arc is the fact that it's the war between the Midland, which the Midland army is now officially Princess Charlotte and her fiancé, yes. Griffith. Griffith. And who the Band of the Hawk is now basically all apostles. They're less monstrous than the other apostles, and and I don't mean that in terms of they're not monsters. They are still monsters, but they're not like as creepy. They actually kind of look somewhat similar to their actual beings. So like, there's one guy who's kind of in human form. He's kind of crystally, and then like when he turns into the monster form, he's still kind of crystally. He looks like a dragon sort of. There's one guy that has like. He has armor that has, like, a very, like... He almost looks like a hammerhead shark, sort of. And when he turns into the monster, he turns into a horse with that kind of, like, shaped head. There's so, the wolf guy, who, yeah. the, the hunter. Yes, so there's... They're they're more... They're not as just, like, ah, I'm gonna eat stuff. They they're actually have a purpose. They're following their leader to fight this war against the Kushan. And they're kind of cool with the humans. Come on, people yeah, now! Yeah, yeah. yeah they, <laughs> they've kind of become friends at this point with humans, so... And it gets even... Very odd. Yep. gets further on into more stuff, but we've been rambling on for mm-hmm. oh, well, quite a while about this. We could go <laughs> further on to it because it gets it's a very long series and it's very in-depth. It gets further on, like, at the current story arc, Griffith has a country now. It's called the the Hawklands. Yes. It's a magical kingdom which just, just <laughs> grew out of nowhere and Guts is kind of... He's suffering because the witch, like I said, we get told everyone that they gave them stuff yeah. What did Guts get? Guts got the Berserk Armor, which is basically what the title of the entire show is about. And which is strange is the, the Berserk Armor pretty much looks like Guts's armor before. But now when he lets the power take over him, he basically the the top of the armor grows over his head and he looks very wolf-like. He looks like a, a monster, kind of. And, and while this armor is being used, it basically is killing him. It's stabbing him and repeatedly all over his body. He loses a lot of weight and and he's basically covered in scars all over his body. He's, you know, he's kind of emaciated. He's still very strong. He can still use his sword, but he's not the guts that you've grown to understand. And respect. At one point he breaks his arm in the armor and the armor literally sets it back into place and is holding it together. It it basically, the armor basically gives him the power that he needs to fight off the god hand and and any apostles but in the meantime it's setting him way past his limits and the more he uses it it's just going to basically consume him. That's basically the... Yeah, because every time he uses it he can't get back because the Mm -hmm. creature which is inside of him, which is bringing is fighting for control. Yes. Like, at this point in the series, the last chapter, the creature's in control, and no one can calm him down. It's yes. like, what the hell are you going to do? Um, actually, every time... Part of the reason why Casca is so afraid of Guts is there's a part where Guts basically almost rapes Casca, even though he's... She's... You know, she doesn't understand what's going on, and he basically almost rapes her. He actually bites her, which is weird, and it's this demon that's basically inside him that's... We don't know how it got there. It may just be his dark side, but it's coming out, and the armor is making it come out even further. Yeah. And 
there's one part where the armor is almost taking him over completely, and Shirky has to use her her basically her they call it an odd O D not O D D not weird but odd and basically is her spirit form and so she can so she kind of brings him back from the brink of of total damnation or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. In this one, she tried using it and it's like she hit a wall. It's like, kink! Yeah. It's like, oh yeah. shit, what yeah. do I do? Yeah, she couldn't stop it. And so the the Kushan Emperor, he basically has this weird machine where he's trying to turn into more powerful. He's trying to take o- be the leader of the, of the apostles and, on Earth. And he basically uses this machine and it basically turns him into a humongous monster. He's just ginormous with big... It's really a weird... Yeah, it's, it's a weird. It's really strange. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a kind of fit... His ending is kind of fitting, but in response to this, Guts gets even more fucked up, and we find out also that every time he goes into the wolf form of his berserker armor, he loses something. Yes. And you're probably wondering what I mean. Like, the first time he uses it, you see he gets white in his hair. Yeah. Nothing too bad. Second yes. time he uses it, Okay, I can't taste anything anymore. Mm-hmm. You, you know, his taste, sense of taste is gone. Yeah. Now, the last time it was his eye, he's down to one now, yeah. he now can't see color. Yes. So it's kind of like ripping his... Soul. It, it, it's... Obviously, you know, the white hair is something that actually happens in real life. If someone has a really traumatic experience, that can happen. Yep. So the traumatic experience of using this armor is basically taking things away from him. So, yes. so taking his humanity away yes. to some degree. And the question is, will he be able to get to the Fairylands? Will he get revenge on Griffith? And will he be able to be with Koskin? Will she remember him and actually yes. love him for the man that he is? And as it is right now, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. Now, for those of you who don't know, we have a five-point rating system. We don't do numbers or stars. We actually have phrases. Now, the five phrases we have are how we rate a manga. Now, the first rating is our lowest rating. This is if it's a piece of shit, and that is... Take it to a priest, purify it, and piss on the ashes. Then burn it. Well, I wouldn't say that... Well, if you're a religious zealot, maybe you'd want to do that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> the second rating is our... It's got one redeeming factor. And that is typical reading material at your local correction facility or psychiatric institute. I don't think psychiatric patients should be reading this. <laughs> Neither do I. Next is our middle of the ground. A gift from your crazy Aunt Muriel. Okay, but forgettable. For me, the fact that I could remember the fact that Farnus got... Almost raped by a horse? Yeah. That kind of, well, makes it not forgettable. <laughs> yeah, there's no forgetting this series once you start reading it. There's so many images that are just burned into my brain. And and, and not for the good either. Yeah, they're just... It's not for the faint of heart. You, you, no, no. Not of the weak of stomach. Mm. You, you do have to be able to stomach it, but mm. it's not forgettable. <laughs> so our next one is our almost the perfect series, and that is... Borrow from a friend and don't return unless offered Pocky. And if honestly, if you do not own a copy of this series, well, you should. Yes. You should at least have the first story arc. Because yes. once you start reading it, you will be sucked in. Yes, and you will want to read more and more. Yep. And the thing is, I have the series and I still read the scans for mm-hmm. the present just because I'm waiting for this series to come out because it's so freaking long. Yes. And then our highest rating, which... As you can guess, I'm giving this series, and that is really, really, really fucking cool. If you do not read this now, your brain will freeze, your eyes will swell up, and your soul will be forfeit to, well, instead of the great Zomo Gustar, let's say, let's forfeit to the God Hand. Yes, and if you do read it, the same thing might happen too. Exactly. But at least you'll enjoy the ride. <laughs> Just beware paper cuts on the pages with the bailet. Yes. It is a long series. 
it's up to 36 volumes at yep. this point. They cost about, I don't know. Oh, it's right there. Depends on... According to Dark Horse, it's going to cost... fourteen ninety five. But if you get them on Amazon, sometimes they're cheaper. And it's a pretty good... It's a pretty thick series. A little bit thicker than a lot of the other mangas. Yeah. Uh, it is wrapped in plastic, so if you're youngin'... So, yeah. You can't you can't really preview it in the store, so you kind of have to buy it. Um, well, you could, but then yeah, they're going to yell at you. Yeah, they're going to yell at you. But we can see why it may... It might be a bit of a stretch to buy all the volumes. Kind of space it out a little bit. Maybe have a palate cleanser in between. Maybe read something that's not so gory or. Yeah, you have to you have to take breaks in between, is <laughs> especially at the end of that first arc because the TV series. I'm gonna I marathon the TV series and I was watching it at night when episode 25 happened, which was the rape of Casca when everything goes to shit, and that was it's a very disturbing sequence yes. and your brain's kind of shuts off for a while because you're like this is really fucked up and, and then that's where it kind of ends and you're like. <laughs> and, and, the, and the manga is the same way. It's just yeah. the scene is so. It's not like you know. It's not an implied scene. It's like you don't see penetration, but it's very. But you know what's going on. You you know what the deal is. You it's it's drawn very well in terms of artistic, but it's very graphic and disturbing and disturbing and yes. <laughs> yeah. No. It's a series which it's it's that's. That scene is one of my least favorite scenes. But on the other side, the scene when Casca and Guts actually have sex is a very... It it's, seems intimate. Yeah, it's its actually very... It's almost like a romantic scene in, from a movie. The one thing that's very interesting about the series is, is the, the art style. It, it's very fluid in all of its natures. Like, all the different types. You can almost see it happening in, in you know, in, in, in motion, which is which is pretty cool. So. Yeah, it's not wooshy, 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 wooshy. We're not going to yeah. show the events of what happened. It, you could yeah. see all the progression of the sword strikes and the arrows flying yeah. and Lord Korbowitz with getting away on his raft, which I've had for 10,000... This tree is... Too- <laughs> sh- shut up! <laughs> Sometimes the, the art is very dark. There's not really a whole lot of contrast in light and dark, so some of the panels do get a little muddled to some degree, and that might just be because it's being reprinted in, in English, and that might just have something to do with that. But for the most part, the art is yeah. extraordinary. It's extraordinary, and as a series goes, this is one of the ones that Dark Horse picked up that they have not edited, which yeah. I'm happy for, because yes. if they edited this series, this series would have been down to ten volumes, I think. <laughs> and it's still going. Yes, it's, it's still worth... 36 and going. Yep, and definitely worth checking out. And for those of you who like Moe, you're not going to like this. If you like something like basic shonen series, it's a give or take. If you like romance, there's some in there. I mean, there's stuff for everybody in here, except for little kids. Yeah, it's not meant for little kids at all. I believe it has a 16-plus sticker on it. An 18-plus. 18-plus, okay, so there you go. I feel like I'm missing something. Um, Artwork, writing, the translation was pretty well done. The translation is pretty well done. It is in the normal format of of manga backwards for us, which is it's for, yeah right to left. So it does for for me being that this is one of the first mangas I've actually read, and considering it's I'm still reading it, that shows you how long I've been reading it for. Um, yeah, you got the original release of this. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of like a long time. This is several years of, of, of reading. It, uh, it was a little hard for me to get used to the right to left, but I'm sure all you guys, all you uh, 
experienced manga readers don't have a problem with that. And for those of you who are listening for the first time for this and you've never read a manga before, this is a pretty interesting one to start off with, but (laughs) this is not one to prove your point that an anime and manga isn't about violence and sex and blood. This is not the one to prove the point. This is not a Tezuka. This is not, like... This is uber-violence. This should have been on the month of uber-violence with Ricky O and Fist of the North Star and JoJo's. It's not unadulterated violence there's a purpose there's always a plot in the background that's leading things up it's not just i'm going to kill things because i'm killing things there actually does there's a reason for things that are happening so and 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 even when there's the grotesque rape scenes and there's a reason for that too like it's not completely just oh i just felt like drawing a rape scene it's not like that there's purpose. Yeah, like... a reason. And it's not just a simple swords and sorcery. There's political intrigue in this. You have a lot of the little things, like the fact that Griffith just says, okay, this guy's he's the next heir to the throne, and he just tried to kill me. Guts, I need you to assassinate him for the purpose of him, but you cannot be seen. Mm -hmm. And it's got these little things where they pay someone. It's... There's there's all kinds of... and, And there's historical references. They may be true or not true, but they... They make sense. Um, in the Kushan, there's there's you know the, there's one family of, of characters that are still around, sort of, and they, they kind of their family was basically disgraced, and they have to be servants to the Kushan Emperor as as assassins, but they're trying to fight their way back to get their honor back, and so they're not completely bad guys, even though they're not really yeah. good guys either. With the exception of Griffith, I think all the characters are more than are multifaceted. Yeah. Even though Griffith is multifaceted at this point. I really hope he dies. He's not a good person. I mean, he says, like, oh, he has noble goals. He's not a good person. He's no. really Well, he's not even a person anymore, technically. No, he's a person, and he's two different <laughs> beings, which yes. is the weirdest thing. He's like, yes. I-, I am this, and I am that. It's yeah. like... Uh, so, yeah, that's... Yeah, this was... Fuck, this is a long episode. Not our longest, but this is pretty... Yeah. But this is as far as we can get, pretty much, for now. We can't really... Yeah, we go can... Go any further. I mean, we could speculate for hours and hours. This is this... And this is... Um, if you want to play a drinking game with this manga, well, don't, <laughs> don't, don't. <laughs> Unless it's every scene where there isn't some sort of random act of well, even with yeah, don't. <laughs> we don't want to promote uh, alcoholism and yeah. If you want to cosplay as guts or any of the characters, then send it to us. Spark.gmail.com, yeah. you'll post it on air. That would be really cool. I, I've, I've yet to see a very good uh, cosplay of this. Uh, I've heard rumors of one group that's actually, they're all, they went to four different cons dressed up as the current Guts' party. Mm. If you can get that picture and send it to us, we will p- pimp you out. Yes. We'll send you some of That would be very exciting. That would be pretty cool. And, better yet, if you can get Kentaro Miroi to come on the show, I doubt he will, but <laughs> if you could, we will do many... Nice things for you. Yes. Like, wash your future car. Perhaps. Perhaps. Most likely we'll give you a handshake and give you a sandwich. Yeah. Might not be a good sandwich, but... It'll be... Eh, it'll be an alright sandwich. Yes. <laughs> but no mayo. No mayo. Yeah. Mayo. Gross. That's gross. <laughs> uh, damn, holy shit. This is... This is not our longest, but this is our longest review of something. It's... Someone's <sighs> probably been like... I got, you gotta probably pause uh, this like four times. Yeah. Un- unfortunately... This series is so long that there's so much to talk about. Some series are very short and to the point, and this series just keeps going. 
And some series are just this long, but the thing is, this is the series that you have to just... I mean, this and Hajime no Ippo are two of the series which are long, which you have to go through, because you can't just break it apart. I mean, I could have done, like, the JoJo's, where it could have had Part 1, Berserk Part 1, the Black Story Arc, another episode, but it'd be a disservice to this. Yeah. Uh, You kind of have to get it all in... And even even some of the story arcs that kind of drag on, you have to stick with them, because they kind of explain what's going to happen in the future or kind of give you an idea of, you know, you, you learn about the characters that are currently in the, in the story and they don't, there's characters that come and go and then there's characters that actually become important parts of the story, so. And then there's some characters that are just really throwaway that you don't even know why they were inserted and you're like, yeah. well, why are they even there? It's like. Yeah. Right now they're on a, on a, on a boat with this, I don't know, he's a noble of some country and he's, he's the captain of the ship. And he's taking them to the fairy land, and he's not really important otherwise. Yeah, no the only thing really is, he's technically the fiance of Farnus, and there's this yeah, whole there, yeah, thing with that. Yeah, but otherwise, it's not. Yeah, so we should get off. Yeah, we should just <laughs> stop while we're ahead, or else we'll be here for four hours. Yes, we just keep going, and, and this is what it. This is if how it goes. Next <laughs> con that we both are at, we're just gonna just. Well, we should just set up a panel, berserk panel, theories and conjectures, <laughs> and just for an hour and a half, just bullshit. Like, what do you think this means? What yeah. does this mean? Just analyze yeah. it straight through. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. So anyway, so damn, that was fucking long. Yeah. Sorry, guys. It was fun. It was fun though. <laughs> yes, I had a, I had a lot of fun. To, I've had all this built up for for quite a while reading this manga and having no real outlet to talk about it, so... That's why this podcast works. <laughs> if we have a series which we we read, it's a good outlet for it, especially when we get good stuff. Yes. When we get bad things like, well, a lot of the series I've been reading lately, well, this is also a good outlet to bitch about, like, um, Hidawari Sketch, which I blacked out of my memory. Yes. That stupid moe fucking... Anyway, <laughs> so... Well, to make, to make a point along those lines, this is the only manga that I'm currently still reading. And so there you go. I mean, I, I don't I don't keep up as much as Zan does with all the mangas cuz it's his job and he's the expert. But I'm not an expert. I just I'm doing this because because <laughs> it gets me internet notoriety and I get crazy people from Germany emailing me. That's the only reason why I do it. Oh, okay. Well, the- well anyway, this series 30 I've I've only actually gotten up to volume 34. I'm, I need to buy 35 and 36, but yeah, this is still. I'm still sticking with the series as long as it is. I'm still reading it, and I'm still as fascinated by it as as I was when I first started reading it. Yep, and this is this, well. That's all we're going to say about this. Bucket. We got we got to stop before we go insane. All right. So either way. So it's now. Of course, you can check us out at www.sparkin.com. You can email us at sparkin@gmail.com. Zan at sparkin.com. Timbo.sparkin at gmail.com or you can call us at 206-350-8462. You can check out our forms sparkin.darkbb.com and if you're on Twitter you can check us out on Sparkin or if on Facebook uh, Sparkin My Review Group. Also, if you're on Xbox Live Zan Space Sparkin and Timbo66. Yes, and it should be interesting. We all should play a huge campaign of some sort. Yes. Um, Goldeneye Fortune is it on there it's on the freaking Wii wait you have a Wii yeah. now you have a Wii now don't you I do have a Wii give me your friend code we will play in <laughs> Goldeneye yes we will play Goldeneye we will play Goldeneye against hours. you <laughs> and, 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 and we will not be odd job because that's cheating sure I won't be odd job <laughs>
All right. So what's 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 left? Uh, of course, this is probably all been waiting for. You know what I'm talking about. My my favorite fans. I'm talking about that one, that only. The we. Yes, friends, the Wheel of Manga. Now, what is the Wheel of Manga, some of you are wondering? There's only one Wheel of Manga. What it is, is it's a device which has ten slots on. What I've done is I've actually assigned ten manga to each of the slots. And, just to make it interesting, because Cal was bitching about me using randomizer.org, I had Timbo actually mess with it. Can I can I do the honors? If you want to spin, yes, you can. Okay. Unless you want to spin for yourself also. Well, do, do we do we go through the, the titles, or...? Well, usually we leave it as a mystery for them, because sometimes they don't want to know. But if you want okay. to spin also... Okay, there there are ten choices, and I did randomize them. So I was wondering if you'd want to just do one for me to do next time, or do you want to do one for yourself next time you ever show up again? Well, you will come back. Well, me. I will be back, and... and uh, it's up to you. I mean, you might get some pretty good series. I mean... Let's, let's see. See, now you have... Oh... All right. Well, we're gonna spin it. So let's see what you got. Maybe we'll do a couple spins. See what see what's coming up for the next. All right. And number four. number four. Actually, this was my pick, and it's called Apocalypse Meow. So if you want, you can do that for the next Which, time you come yes, back. Yes. So I, I guess I will. Uh, so then that's cool. Apocalypse <laughs> Meow. And so I'm gonna spin. Let's see what happens. Good spin. Number six, which is. Fuck! <laughs> oh god! At least this co- finishes the Journey to the West coverage. I did Dragon Ball. Now I just do this one. Yes, you can guess, my fans. I'm gonna be reviewing Sayuki. Not Sayuki Reload. Just Sayuki. Yay! I get. I'm glad I got the one I wanted. Lucky. <laughs> ah, so at least this time, so episode 111, we get to do. I get to do Sayuki, and then, well. Uh, well, and then in the near future, we will be doing Apocalypse Meow. And of course, and if you want me back, I will be back. You will because you're gonna be back on a couple of the movie episodes. Yes, I will be on on several of the movie. episodes. And here's some news we just found out: we're actually gonna have an actual director. Yes, as a co-host. Yes, he's one of our friends, and he's actually been involved in in some film creations and also television work. Yep. So yes, and we should pimp out his movie, which is going to be made next year. Does he have a, a video yet, or um, no? But there is a Facebook page for it, and the movie is called Kung Fu and Titties, which it sounds brilliant. It sounds brilliant. It's 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 not a porno. It's not all right. So it's it's basically what everybody wants in a movie: kung fu and titties. That's it. Exactly. It's and boobs and kung fu. Everybody likes kung fu. Everybody likes boobs. Even you, my female fans, you like kung fu. You know you do. Yeah. That's why you And even some of you like boobs, too. Yes. Even if... You don't want to admit it. Even if you're not a lesbian, you still admire other people's boobs. Yes. Don't lie about it. Yep. So, yes. Yeah, that's... Yeah, so... Definitely check it out. Kung Fu and Titties. Uh, uh, should we get his... on Facebook. Yep, and we'll give his actual name on that episode, which we're reviewing, actually, ironically, a movie which is a little bit tied with Berserk. Yes. Sort of, and you're probably wondering, how the hell is it tied with Berserk? Does it have a black swordsman? Well, not really. It no. has goblins in it. Well, yes. trolls. Goblins. Or whatever, because the second movie doesn't really follow the first movie at all, but it's but, Troll 2. Yes. Which... And that's coming up eventually, don't worry. And you're probably wondering, how is he going to do that with the dodecahedron of movies? Well, to be honest with you, I'm not going to lie, that episode I'm going to fucking rig, because the fact is, it's my fifth interview and this is a person who i have enough respect for that i'm just gonna be like i'll just 
deal with the consequences next episode. Yes. I'll probably have to review what is that shitty movie, the one with the not the vampires one, the really bad girl movie. Uh, hmm. That's how bad it is. I don't remember it. So either way, it doesn't yeah. matter. But just as a spoiler, all right, Troll Two is one of those movies that the dire- the director that we're having on. And myself watched as children, and, and I watched. And as it's a... it's it's one of those cult classic movies. I, I I don't even think that that describes it. It's it's a pretty awful movie, and we'll talk about it. Yes, but, then. but it's awful for so many good reasons. Yeah, it's gonna be pretty cool. <laughs> so that's it for this episode of the Spock and Mong Review. This is Timbo. And this is Zan. We are gone, Phil. Check you out next time. And remember, if you have that picture of Neil Patrick Stewart, please send it to us. We're still waiting on that contest. One of you has to draw him with his black manservant in his smoking jacket. Come on, people. <laughs> Catch you next time. Walking back so where my grass shall fade in